Hello and welcome back to MetaStation. Uh, we are, this is a very special Unity Days Con wrap up podcast episode. Um, I am Claire. I am one of your MetaStation co hosts. I'm Erin. I am your other MetaStation co host. And we are here with some very special friends throughout the episode who are going to join us and talk a little bit about kind of their experience at Unity Days. Um, so we're going to introduce you to <laughs> our friend. It really is hard to it's say. It's hard you guys. to say. Unity oh my Days. God. I'm having, like, I'm having such an you're Eliza. You're totally. I, yeah, and like Eliza and Bob, you guys, it's not just because you're Australian. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a complicated <laughs> set of syllables. Um, anyway, this is going to be fun because it's not edited, so we're going to sound <laughs> like idiots. Um, okay, so uh, we'd like to introduce to you our friends, Brittany and Robin, who are going to talk a little bit about their podcast adventure. Um, okay, so <laughs> Robin and I used to be at The Giantist. Uh, my name's Brittany Ray, by the way. Introducing myself is a great idea. Um, <laughs> Robin and I used to be at The Giantist, and now we have started our own podcast network so that we could uh, record our own podcast for a number of different TV shows, and it's called The Aficionados because we think that's punny. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm high-key jealous. As I told you at Unity Days, I'm high-key jealous of that name. It's like, a really good name. It's a really good name. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I'm Robin, first of all, um, and... My mom came up with our name, actually. It's supposed to be, like, the word efficient aficionado, but we put the word fiction in it. It's real clever. <laughs> Robin's like, I, mil- I will explain the pun now. <laughs> Just in case. People have asked. No, we get it. We get it. We all think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> We're there with you. We got it. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Um, and our other guest is our friend Sam, who writes for the show for Telltale. Sam, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Sam. <laughs> um, and Claire pretty much said it all. I write uh, and review the t- write about and review the TV show for Telltale TV. Um, and I had a cast interview with Louisa, and hopefully. Uh, in the future, one with Tasia. So then later at the end of the episode, we also, we recorded a segment right after the con ended in our hotel room. So the sound quality is like, I think, medium with um, <laughs> with the co, with the writers um, of Talk Nerdy with us. So we'll have that on at the end. Um, and, and that was all of us plus all of them just kind of shouting in our hotel room about how much fun we had. So um uh, so stay tuned for that. It's going to be great. Um, so we're going to kind of talk you through a little bit um, our experience at the con. We had a, a panel where all of us, plus Joe Garfine, who um, co-hosts the podcast, The Dropship, uh, on Friday night of the convention, kind of talked about uh, meta, writing the show. We got questions from fans about character arcs and what we think is going to happen in season four. So we'll kind of talk to you a little bit about that and then about the con as a whole. And then we got a bunch more questions than we could answer. We We got, I think... 45 questions submitted from fans some who were people who were at the con and some weren't and so we didn't have nearly enough time at the panel to take them all so we're going to do a couple on the air so if you couldn't make it to the con it's like you get your own little mini meta panel we're going to discuss some really cool stuff um so yeah let's get started uh so guys let's talk about our panel it was great it was great we had so much it was so great um we looked really cute (laughs) it was really awesome (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> there are pictures on on Tumblr and Twitter of uh, of how cute we looked, which is obviously the most important part of everything that happened to that panel. I mean, um, it's a key feature. 
It definitely was a key feature. Like, that's the part we can't recreate for you on a podcast. I'm sorry to say. Um, but no, it was really awesome. I mean, it was like, it, I was I was really sort of surprised and pleased at how many people came out to listen to us talk. It was That was really cool. And, um, and I thought it was just like, it was like so fun to just like sit there with you guys and get to like talk to each other in real time about this TV show that we all love so much and these characters that we love so much. Cause like, you know, I talked to Claire a lot, but I basically hadn't talked to anybody else who's there. Like, you know, with my voice, <laughs> you know, like I talked to them, <laughs> I talked to them with my fingers, you know, we like exchanged messages and stuff like that. But, um, but like, I think the bigger part of the thrill for our panel and for the whole, um, for the whole convention was just like getting to actually have like face to face conversations with people. Like that was just super great. It was really nice because it was a really intimate con. So I would say, like, how many people do you think were there in all? Like 200, maybe. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, everyone had time, especially the cast members, everyone had time to talk to you for like a good two or three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Although I did, um, Liana Santos, who is one of the con organizers, did tell me on the last night that apparently... um, in particular, Bob and Lindsay caused problems because they talked to their fans too long when they were doing autographs. They're like, they're so generous with their time. They're talking too long. So like we wound up in a time crunch, you know, we were sort of like on the fly trying to figure out how to like, you know, they'd have to leave and we'd have to like figure out how to get people who are in line to come back in the right order and make sure everyone got their time. So it is almost like they're so generous with their time to an actual like logistical fault, which is kind of cool. <laughs> that makes perfect sense, especially for Bob and Lindsay. <laughs> Oh yeah, for sure. I'm surprised yeah. Sachin didn't cause any uh, <laughs> right? time yeah. issues. With yeah, because he was so friendly. You would think. Oh my god. Yeah, I I feel like one of the like one of the beautiful sort of like multi fandom points of unanimity about this con is that like whatever like whatever your ship whoever you like arrived there with like who is the actor you're most excited to meet I feel like Sachin stole the show from everybody just like across the board <laughs> like for sure like yeah. he yeah, he is so like wildly ridiculously adorable (laughs) and like so charming yeah yeah just like like aggressively full of charm i was like i love this kid what was you guys's favorite question that we talked about at our panel so so one of my favorite parts of our panel actually was hearing robin talk about monty and how much he meant to her so um so robin would you please delight me again by talking about Monty and what he means to you? Uh, sure, I can talk about Monty. I mean, I think that most of my points were about Monty were about like how he felt about all of the things that like you think about all the things that happened in Mount Weather and like Clark gets most of the brunt of that blame. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only person that really blames Monty for that is Jasper. Um, but I'm sure that like that that Monty has to deal with that himself. And then with all the things that happened to him in season three with you know he had to kill his mother twice and everything like (laughs) just Monty's going through so much crap um but of course I also wanted to talk about asexual Monty which was one of my like big hopes (laughs) for the world um which was taken away from me this season but that is okay I ended up getting a picture with Chris and it's my phone background and it's nice um, as well as when I was talking about um, asexual Monty, a couple days later, uh, this girl came up to me um, and we were about to go into the Louisa meet and greet. 
And she said, were you on the panel on Friday night? And I was like, yeah. And she said, um, did you talk about asexual Monty? And I said, yeah. And she said, I'm on the asexual spectrum. Thank you so much for talking about that. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And that made like a whole day. that's so lovely. like, same. Do you remember who that was? Um, I think she follows me on Twitter now. And I can try and find her. Just give me one second. <laughs> you guys t- keep talking. I'll okay. find her. Um, okay. My my favorite part of the of the um, of our panel was I really enjoyed. Um, I get really heart eyes when Aaron is an English professor, and I so I really liked it when um, when Aaron was talking about like the difference between because I think this is a really important kind of line that gets blurred, like the difference between protagonist antagonist and good guy bad guy we got a couple of interesting questions that sort Mm -hmm. of um circled around the idea that your interpretation of who is good and who is bad um really shifts depending on perspective which i think is something the show does deliberately like they really they really try Mm -hmm. to give every character's choice even if it seems like a terrible choice some degree of like you can understand why the person did that but that gets sort of muddied with the question of like who are the actual protagonists antagonists of this show um so so i really enjoy that so do you want to like recap that for us really quickly professor aaron sure (laughs) sure i'd be happy to (laughs) um (laughs) i'm trying to find um on our sheet the actual question um do you want me to read you the question? I think I have it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's all right. Just recreate the experience. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. So the question was... Uh, so it was it was two questions. One was, how do you think the labels antagonist, protagonist affect how people view the narrative of the show? And then the other was more specific that basically was about, do you think if we had gotten to see more of um, the farm station Asgada, um their whole story, that would have changed our perspective on farm station? Right. Okay. And the second one was from our friend Sarah, who was with us all weekend and wanted a shout out. So shout out, Sarah. Oh, Sarah. Oh, yay. We love Sarah. And and the other one was from Soren. Um, So, okay. So, so, I mean, if I remember correctly, I started that out with a really long anecdote about how I cried over Mad Max on the planet. I will not recount. But... um, but the protagonist antagonist thing. So so I think this is it's like a it's a good distinction to keep in mind is when that gets lost. So technically speaking, protagonist only means main character. The protagonist is the like person whose story is being told. The pro and protagonist doesn't have any like it doesn't have any value like moral value attached to it or any kind of value. It doesn't mean like pro as in good. It's just pro as in main person. Um and same thing, antagonist. An antagonist is just the person or people or even can be like a non-human force that is standing in the way of the protagonist achieving whatever it is the protagonist is trying to achieve. So like, for instance, if you had like a story that took place on a, des- a deserted island and the protagonist is just like, you know, like a woman who was stranded there and the story is about her trying to survive... The antagonist would be nature. And it's not like, you know, like not like nature is evil, but just like nature being nature, you know, like nature is the thing that's getting away of the woman surviving. So um, so that's so that's protagonist antagonist. And then and that's um, distinct from um, what we tend to think about another like another set of labels, which can be helpful to, to think about, although 
you know, these are less technical, would be like hero and villain. So you can think about a hero and a villain being sort of like protagonist, antagonist, but with moral value attached to those roles. So a hero is the main story, but a hero is also somebody who, you know, in some sense is meant to represent the the like positive the good values of whatever society they're in you know they stand for truth justice in the american way whatever like that would be like (laughs) superman as a hero right he stands for these things he's a hero not just because he's the main character but because he stands for these values and an anti or excuse me a villain same thing villain is the person who is standing in the way of the hero but also sort of represents or embodies things that are meant to be bad so like you know i don't know lex Luthor, whatever whatever there's like a handy dandy tagline for Lex Luthor. But um, but so you can see how in some stories you'll have a hero and a villain. You'll have a good guy who is good, who's meant to be understood as good, who represents good. And the person that they're fighting against represents bad things, evil. And so like the kind of like the, the conflict between the two of them is about that kind of like good, bad kind of conflict. But you but that doesn't necessarily hold for every story. So like Breaking Bad, for instance, Walter White is the protagonist, right? But he's not a good guy. Um, And his antagonists are people who are often trying to stop him from doing really terrible things. So that would be, he'd be the case of like an anti-villain. So I think like that's really helpful with something like The Hundred, because I think on The Hundred, um, what we really have are protagonists and antagonists. And like it gets tricky because sometimes, you know, we, we... Sometimes we have new protagonists or sometimes the perspective shifts, but it's kind of handy to remember, like, think about like, okay, whose story is being told that's the protagonist. The person they're in conflict with is the antagonist that doesn't have any necessarily sort of like value attached to it in terms of like who's good and who's bad, who's right and who's wrong. It's just like whose whose story is being told, whose side are we on, whose perspective are we in and who's counter to them. So, um... You know, as far as the farm station things goes, um, I think, you know, that that kind of issue is really important because the thing is we never got like the farm station people were never protagonists for us. You know, we never were in their story. We never got to see what happened to them. Um, you know, we never we got like the story was sort of told about what happened with Asgata, but we didn't experience that with them. We didn't see them suffering or see them losing people, you know, so that's all kind of abstract. And that makes it hard is that you're identifying with. So. I mean, the basic point of all of this is just to say, like, just kind of remembering, like, perspective is about perspective and conflict have to do with whose story is being told, who wants, you have to, like, flip sides and then approve of everything that, say, Pike does. If you were decided, I'm going to think about the story through Pike's eyes, you don't have to approve of everything that Pike does, but it might help you understand, you know, better why he would do something like that and why he's not necessarily a villain per se. He's just, you know, he's an antagonist who's doing some questionable things, which everybody in the show does. The end. <laughs> Thank you. You can, like, that just was- see Claire's hard eyes right now. I love it. Well, I, I mean, I, first of all, I think it's, I mean, okay, yes. But also, but I but I think that's a really, um, like, I think it's a really important piece of context when we're talking about, like, like meta and the way we talk about, like, it's just different ways of looking at at the show and like we all have our sort of like this is my favorite or this is a character that I identify with personally the most and like that's all like sort of on a personal level I think that's all really important and um because that's what sort of keeps you hooked in but like on a sort of story analysis level I think being able to sort of pull back and be like um and just sort of have yeah have a clear sense of where those lines are I think is really is helpful in sort of like seeing where they're taking the story as a whole so I think that's I thought that was a that was a good important question and I was glad that we got a chance to to go through it. Um, Sammy, Sam, what was your favorite part of the panel? 
<laughs> um, I really liked uh, getting to talk about. Uh, this is gonna be like selfish because I'm the only one who's talking about myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we did that yeah. deliberately to make uh, you I look bad. <laughs> um, no, I really liked getting to talk about um, the possibility of Clark talking about Lexa with Abby. Because um, Joe brought that up too. Mm, yes, um, yes. And I just think it's really important that uh, they have that conversation and um, contextualize uh, Abby's knowledge of that relationship and um, how much she loves Clark. Yeah, that really yes, definitely as something that everybody because Joe I think brought that up too. Like that, and then people in the audience were like very into it. Like that really seemed to be one of the few kind of like season four prediction things that it felt like everybody in the room was like, we need this moment. Mm -hmm. And you talked about it really well. Uh, I just think it's really important to show that conversation on television um, because it's, it's starting to happen more and more like with Supergirl and um, Alex's journey this season. Um, We got to see her come out to her family and without um, stories like that, people like me um, don't have, don't get to like ah words. <laughs> um, it's important to show stories like that so that you can give confidence to people who are watching these stories. Because um, without Alex's journey and without Clark and Lex's journey, um, I probably wouldn't have come out to my parents uh, this year. Uh, so stuff like that is really important for people to see and know that there is more than maybe what they're seeing in their immediate surroundings um, to be portrayed on television um, and reach people in a way that not everyone can. Word. Exactly. <laughs> I, think, I think that's so important. And I think especially like showing, showing kids and parents having those conversations really openly, like showing parents who are like openly and explicitly and like textually in the narrative shown as being supportive of their queer children, I think is hugely important. Like, I just think that we, I think we can't have enough of that. I think we need it so much. Um, so I was really glad that that question came up and I was really glad that it felt like everyone in the fandom was like, yes, we need this moment. Yes, definitely. Brittany, what was yours? Uh, I actually have two. Okay. Um, the first one was kind of like a humbling one when all of us sort of talked about who we thought had the most character development. And no one, none of us sort of, I don't know if it's because all of us skipped the obvious answer, but no one answered Clark until Joe showed up. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was, uh-huh. I was just kind of sitting there and I'm like, I, 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 I thought that someone else would take her. But at the same time, I think Clark has like the Harry Potter syndrome where someone asks who your favorite character is. And sometimes you don't immediately say Clark, which is mind boggling. Right. Yeah. But we, I really liked someone like Joe, especially talking about how important Clark's journey is for, you know, representation reasons and also just for, you know, great character reasons. So that was my favorite question. And then I said this on Twitter. And so, Claire, prepare. You're about to get roasted. <laughs> um, my favorite moment was whenever Claire started talking about Kane, <laughs> Joe would reach over and, like, she would either look at me and we would share this knowing look or Joe would tap me on the leg and we'd both be like, there she goes. 
I and I was on I was on the far end of the stage from Joe, so like as far apart as we could be. And every time I and I was trying to be like chill about it, like I was trying to sound like a sane, <laughs> normal person. And so I was like, well, I think the most important character development, like my example, was Kane, and here's why. And I was trying to be all serious, and then Joe is just laughing, and I saw her reach out and like smack Britney's knee, and I was like, God damn it, all these bitches are on to me. Like, but, like here's the thing, also. Even when Joe was like on stage and we were like in the audience and you went up to ask a question yep. about Kane, I even made yep. eye contact oh, with yeah. Joe then. Every <laughs> single time. Every time, Claire, she would look over at us and like raise her eyebrows like, here it comes. <laughs> She's like giving the cabbie fandom a shout out and we're like, okay, well, we all know that's directed to this row. <laughs> the thing about Claire is. She has no chill in regards to Kane at all. Even when she acts like she's like super smart about it and like totally professional and she's like inside she's screaming. Right, but I mean <laughs> but, that's but I about I feel though. I feel like the important thing is that I sh- like that I pretended to have chill. Like yes. I wanted more credit for trying to sound <laughs> like a professional and Joe would not I mean, give me that like credit. But we all seem right. Claire, <laughs> here's the thing and I speak I speak with deep love, a deep love of 16 years and still going. Your your like Claire chill is like normal person like total lack of chill times eighty. <laughs> so there's just like no possible way that you could ever approach having actual chill about something you don't have chill about, which is wonderful and beautiful and why we love you so much. Like this is what makes Claire Claire. This is why you know like Jordan, my husband always says it's like Claire lives with exclamation points. You're just like Claire. <laughs> All chaps style. lifestyle. Like, you'd be like a pod person. <laughs> <laughs> but you did sound very professional talking. It was just the rest of us yes. who were like, we know. Well, I was <laughs> I was trying, I was like playing to the back rows. Like I was trying to sound like a smart person to everyone there who I didn't know. Um, you did. It's like and and it's also like in front of any- the cast. Like I didn't want to like ask yeah. a cast question and go like and go like Defcon Claire on Eliza Taylor. <laughs> like <laughs> Like, I didn't, you know, like, I didn't want to do that. Um, yeah, Claire just goes up to the microphone and is just like, hi, everybody. So my favorite character isn't here. Um, <laughs> um, I've, excuse me. I feel like I handled it really well by asking about their relationships with Kane and Abby who uh-huh. weren't there. It was very yeah. subtle. No, did. I'm sure none of them figured out who wasn't there, who was your favorite character. <laughs> My favorite Claire moment was when she walked up and was like, so Paige isn't here, but could you call her? Yeah. <laughs> Heartbreaking though, because every single time we asked, he was going to. He was to. going to. We have oh, such yeah. a one house. Such an he was going to. He plays Jackson, who was going to. Every time. Claire was like, maybe you could FaceTime? He's like, yeah. Oh, no, I don't have my phone. Okay, next time, next time. And it like, just kept happening. And then he was going to do it at our meet and greet. Yeah. And he's like, yes. He ha- he got out and checked. He had his phone. And then he's like, okay, at the end, if we have time, he's like, absolutely. He was totally good. And I was like, yes. And then um, and then we ran out of time because we all kept talking. Um, <laughs> but Which like, is so unusual for the duo people. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Right, yeah. Right. Um, Completely out of character. No, he was like. But he was like, but I, I, the fact that he was totally willing to, and he didn't think I was crazy for asking, I was like, all right, like, 
this dude's all right. He doesn't think I'm insane. Um, but so I still haven't talked to if Paige Shergo. If Sachin thinks someone's insane, it's an issue. Yes, yeah. seriously. <laughs> so we still haven't talked to Paige Shergo, but I have almost talked to her like five times, and I kind of feel like that counts. Yes. We did. Now you're we best friends. We did get the story from Sachin that like one time Paige called him because she was bored in Vancouver and she's like we should do something he's like he's okay she's like or he says he's he's like okay yeah let's do something so she's like just come over and she went over and then instead of like going out and doing anything they just ordered like two hundred dollars of Italian food and watched Clueless and I'm just like (laughs) how are we not all best friends with Paige Turco because that's seriously everyone's perfect night (laughs) okay but like here's the thing Paige for season five I live in Vancouver. If you get barred, just call me. <laughs> she be happy. Like, it's fine. It's chill. Yeah, totally chill. You can order some food. Yeah. You can watch some TV. Yeah, it's like, those Everything are like all my favorite things. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like, those are all my absolutely. hobbies. Yeah. What was everybody else's, like, favorite cast encounter moment? Because that was obviously mine. Okay, so my favorite encounter with a, with a cast member was on the very first day. Well, I mean, I guess it was the second second day, but it was the first day that, like, cool people were there, you know. Um, <laughs> hey! Well, hey. Cool people? Well, wow. Sachin was there the first Rupert. night. Chelsea was there the first night. Yeah. Katie was there wow. the first night. That was a huge You're right. I'm garbage. A lot on their behalf. <laughs> wow. Okay, anyway, now that we're past that. <laughs> um, uh, so, like, there was the welcome panel, right? That had just, like, everyone who was there except Lindsay. And, I, you know, I cried. And then <laughs> she did. the first panel was going to be Bob, Richard, Sutchin, and Jared. And Bob decides that before this panel starts, he's just going to come and shake hands with everybody in, like, the first three or four rows. And so he just walks up and he puts out his hand and says, hi, I'm Bob. As if I don't know. <laughs> and so I shake his hand and I say hi nice to meet you and then as soon as he moves on to Brittany I go what like what just happened <laughs> anyway that's just how he was the whole life it was just yeah. like hi I'm Bob it was just like then you th- after it happens you think like he just looked me in the face and spoke words to me specifically yeah. Yeah. oh my god that was that was definitely I, I sort of like didn't go straight to that because I think my brain still can't quite process yeah, that no, I'm like, it's I just like forget. too. Yeah, we all shook hands. Erin kind yeah. of left her body for a minute. I did yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I don't know. I can't, I can't even like begin to process the sensory experience that just happened to me. It's like I'm in a different place. <laughs> yeah. I, I looked over after he shook hands with us. I looked over and I was like, Are you okay? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's so relatable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I also wanted to shout out to the girl who I was talking about earlier. Um, her name is Catherine uh, at Catho underscore Ren on Twitter. So thanks for talking to me about asexual Monty. We're on the same page. Oh, yay. Another, another shout out to a Twitter friend who became a real friend at Unity, Unity Days with regard to the Bob coming out and shaking hands thing. So our friend Meg, who um, I knew a little bit on Twitter oh, beforehand... Yay. Um, so we were hanging out, you know, we hung out with her and her wife a lot over the weekend and she and she and her wife are like huge Klexa fans and, um, and they're both, I think Meg is bi, but mostly likes girls and her wife is gay. And we were like talking about the, the, um, the con on Twitter 
Um, and, and, and the, you know, I think it was like a picture of Bob shaking hands with people that was posted by somebody <laughs> and they were both just sort of like, like, I'm like super gay, but I definitely swooned at that moment. Like <laughs> her wife is like, I'm a hundred percent lesbian, but like, yeah, I, um, how could anyone not swoon when that happened? Like he looked at me and he smiled and I was just like, what is happening? And I'm like, oh my God, guys, you guys, I'm getting so excited about it. And it like already happened <laughs> i just like i think everyone like, had that experience it's like no matter how you felt about bellamy yeah. or whatever if you were excited about meeting bob like he comes out he shakes your hand and he's just like that he has that kind of presence where you're just like <laughs> i wish i had been like expecting it so that i could have like prepared emotionally so that yes. i could like remember right. the moment better right right yeah seriously I, I was but i was also really surprised um and actually I feel like this was with all of them, but I was surprised, I think, to find it in, in Bob and Eliza that, like, after that sort of initial, like, oh, my God, you're from my television, but you're here in this room. Like, after you sort of, like, after that, <laughs> you know, like, no, but, like, but, like, you know, like, after that sort of first initial moment, shut up. Everyone shut up. No, I just really, really want Bob to now go around introducing himself at concerts. Hi, I'm Bob from your television. <laughs> That's my line if I ever get on a TV show. <laughs> Done. Hi, I'm Robin from the television. You might know me from that rectangle in your living room. <laughs> Isn't that a Simpsons character? Okay, no, but what I, what I meant, what I was trying to say was that, like, after the initial sort of, like, first, like, oh, my God, there they are at that first panel, like, after that, it really felt like you were just, like, talking to normal people. Like, I didn't feel intimidated having conversations with them when I went to go get autographs signed or the meet and greets and stuff. It was sort of like, I had kind of like a first like, ah! and and then it was sort of like, okay, now, now we're just like talking. Um, and I, and I, and I felt like that made, that made intellectual sense to me from somebody like, um, I don't know, somebody who like, who didn't come into the show already famous, like the, the cast that sort of started out as like, you know, it was like day players, like Katie who played, uh, Monroe and then Chelsea Reese who played Harper um, and Sutton who plays Jackson and Jared who plays Miller um, who like they don't think of themselves as famous people so they don't act like famous people you know um, but like Bob and Eliza I you know are like the stars of the show and I was like okay well like at least Bob and Eliza I'm gonna find sort of like intimidating and I didn't really um, I don't know you're lucky I, I definitely still like I could not process meeting Bob and Eliza like it was just it's still I still can't <laughs> process it <laughs> My favorite moment from uh, the con, besides, you know, my brain like glitching out when <laughs> whenever I encountered Bob Morley, um, I think it was during the 100 Ladies panel on the last day when somebody asked a question about or, or uh, Louisa was talking about doing the sex scene with um, with Murphy in season three. And she's just talking about. You know, she's, I mean, it was, like, actually really, like, cool and articulate. She was talking about, like, how, like, vulnerable that those scenes are as a, as an actor. You know, like, you're, you're really, like, exposed physically, which kind of, and they're also usually or very often kind of very, like, emotionally sort of vulnerable and open scenes. And so it's just, like, it's kind of intimidating and scary and, you know, and, like, hard and, and stuff like that. 
And <laughs> and um, and then Lindsay kind of chimed in at one point. But the hilarious part was that so like so it's all the ladies, you know, it's everyone sitting up there, all the ladies who were there except for Eliza, who wasn't there that day. And like so Luis is talking through this whole thing and she's talking about how she like worked through it with uh, Richard and Jess Harmon, Richard's sister, is sitting on the other end of the couch, just like slowly <laughs> sinking into the couch and like squirming and making all these faces. And finally someone turns and looks into her and is like, Jess, are you okay? She's like, no, no, I can't deal with this. Like, I can't deal with, I can't listen to you. Like, I don't want to hear about this. I don't want to think about anything having to do with sex with my brother, you know. So they're all kind of like joking around like that. And then Suchin, who had like come into this panel once or twice comes running into the back and starts shouting Richard is a tender lover Richard is a tender <laughs> lover and Jess is just like ah you know and it was hilarious so I think that's actually I think that's my favorite moment because it was just like so it was like a perfect encapsulation I think of the cast and of all the panels you know to have like this moment of like really sort of like articulate thoughtful discussions of their characters and shooting scenes and then it just sort of gets derailed into total goofiness <laughs> yes it really and i it also was such a like um it was really fun to get to see their sibling dynamic because they don't yeah. have scenes together in the show yeah um, but getting to see, getting to see Jess and Richard be like every time you know he come out on stage and everyone would applaud and she would like make barf faces. I was like, oh, I love siblings. Like, <laughs> Did you guys see them like start slapping each other in the head? Yeah, yes. yes. they just like smacking at each other. It was so cute. Yeah, I would watch a whole reality <laughs> show that was just like the Harmons yeah. bickering backstage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my favorite cast moment was definitely the revelation that. Monty is a much faster and more animated person than Chris Larkin. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Kind of moves Seriously. at the pace of a sloth. Like we were rewatching, I think it was like um, some of the Mount Weather stuff from season two, and I was kind of surprised at how fast Monty moves and talks because Chris is like he's constantly moving through molasses. Yeah, he. Yeah. It, it was so funny, like the kind of running joke of the con of like Chris would sort of like they'd start a panel and then he would kind of just like wander in like after it had already started, just like very slowly holding his backpack and then he would kind of sit on the floor and sometimes he was like writing in a notebook or like kind of like staring off into space. But he was just kind of like in his own little like adorable Christopher land, but like at a completely different pace from somebody like Jess Harmon. Yeah. And like one time he was like digging through Jess Harmon's purse for some reason. Like I don't there yeah. was something in there he needed. He was just like looking through. There was like my favorite wasn't he always wandered in late, but my favorite was like he wandered onto the panel that had already started and he had like a backpack and a plastic bag. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like he seriously looked he like, looked like a 10th grader who was showing up late for math class or something like that it was like it was so funny <laughs> and then you put him next to someone as bubbly as chelsea and it's just like those are two complete opposite yeah. ends of a spectrum yeah yeah, yeah. it's something that bob said at the beginning of the of the con um like one of the early panels you know he said something about like oh well you know Chris lives down in a garage by the peony or something like that. And I was like, haha, what a funny joke. And then by the end of this, the weekend, I was like, no, that's actually for real. Like, he lives in a garage by the peony with his flip phone. <laughs> he lives in a garage by a seasonal amusement park, owns a flip phone, and takes pictures with an instant camera. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah he, he bought like a, like a drugstore disposable camera to take pictures of us. And we were all, and by the end of the con, we were like, this is. This is peak Chris Larkin. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't even know where he found that. Like, you have, oh. I feel like you'd have to work really hard to find a disposable camera to even purchase. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, he's doing the most to be like the most authentic hipster. Oh my god, yeah. seriously. Yeah, yeah. He was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but there was also this um girl named Abby who was this like she did Monty cosplay. Um and it was like this perfect Monty cosplay, like like it was it was his Mount Weather outfit and she had the chocolate cake and it was just like spot on and she got a bunch of pictures of him. Yeah. Yeah. And so Yeah, that was the most animated Chris was was when he saw her. Yeah, yeah. yeah he got like super excited <laughs> when he saw her. And then also there was the um the guy who was there, Theo, who was the the cane cosplayer yeah, who's also amazing. Yes. Apparently, like Theo had like a ukulele, and Chris was like, Oh hey, I'm gonna go get my guitar and we should jam. I don't know if that happened, but like he was like so, you know, he's, like, sort of, he's, like, a human sloth, but, like, super cool and friendly. <laughs> yeah. Sloth is the perfect yeah. word for him. And I say that with affection. If you followed me on yeah. Twitter or Tumblr, you'll know that my icon is a sloth. And, like, I, I deeply identify with sloths. So I say that as a fellow sloth. <laughs> I'm a sloth on the inside. I don't seem like one. <laughs> Sam, what was your favorite cast member moment? Um, it's got to be a toss-up between literally anything with Sachin, uh-huh. um, which was just, he was just amazing the whole weekend, um, running in, into him at the auction, and he was just so nice, um, and his face when he saw Nicole's drawing, um, he just lit up, and it was so cute. Talk about the drawing. Tell everyone about that. That was, that okay, was a good Sam um, moment. Our friend Nicole, uh, <laughs> Nicole Close on Twitter. Yes. Uh, she does fantastic fan art. Um, and I love every single one of her pieces and she had a piece in the cancer gets lost auction and I was like, okay, I'm not getting anything else this weekend. So I have to get this. Um, and then I did, <laughs> um, and it was awesome. And then such and saw it at the auction and his whole face just lit up and it was so cute. Um, and then he signed it for me, which was adorable. Um, and the, the inscription on it is. The reason I need Abby in medical so often is because you keep stealing my heart. Uh, <laughs> so he's like the sweetest human. But he was so proud of that that he immediately got up and went to show Richard <laughs> how clever he was. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's, a, it's a great it's a great picture. I think Nicole posted it on her Twitter, posted the image of it so you can see, but it's um it's Abby and Jackson in medical and she's like x-raying his heart. It's so precious. She's wonderful. I got a I have a Nicole close print of Kane and Abby with like babies of all the kids. Like she's holding baby Clark and then baby Raven is braiding her hair and then baby Murphy is tying Kane's shoelaces together and baby Octavia <laughs> is chasing butterflies and then baby Bellamy is giving his dad a hug and it's so precious. And so we got um uh Aaron and I went around to get autographs together and so we got Bob and Eliza and Richard and Lindsay to all sign it and they were all like, oh my God, this is so amazing. A couple of them had like seen it before like because the, the like the actors all have seen her stuff because she's like super great. But um she's so good. She's so good. And and the piece that she did for um, so Jill Garfine, who co-hosted the Dropship podcast, she also runs a charity called Cancer Gets Lost that auctions off fandom merchandise, mostly in like big online auctions every like every year, every two years. Um, but um, to raise money for cancer charities and but she did like a live like an actual silent auction like you could walk around and look at this stuff. Um, as sort of one of the opening weekend things for the con, which was just like an amazing way to start off the energy of the whole weekend, I felt like. Because it was all like there was stuff from like every character, every ship, every everything. Like it was there was tons of great stuff. There was lots of things you could buy and then sign, like lots of prints and things like that. Um, 
And that, yeah, and then and then Sam ended up in a hella bidding war for the Jackson thing, and she, and she got it, and we were so proud. <laughs> it was so intense, you guys. Like my heart still races thinking about it. Auctions are stressful. Like I like, took a Snapchat of that, and it honestly looked like a mob at the end. Yeah. Oh my oh, god, yeah. it was crazy. It was like, you can yeah. hear Meg off, like right next to me, going, "Someone's gonna die in this." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was. Like, it was insane. If, it was like I a rugby scrum. Do, yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah. If I never. If I never have to do one in person ever again, I'll be fine. Um, online auctions are much less intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking as a person who spent most of my adult career working in nonprofit fundraising and has to run those things a lot, I agree with you. I also would never like. <laughs> I mean, like, I love bidding on things. Like, I love buying stuff. Yeah, I like it's, it was exhilarating. Yeah, but yeah. also terrifying. <laughs> it was also terrifying. Yeah. Um. But they made forty. They made forty six hundred dollars for pancreatic cancer, which was totally amazing, and it was just this great, like, kind of festive, albeit crazy, way to start off the weekend. And my only negative about it was I bid on three different cane things, and I got none of them. But like, that's fine. Like, I'm over it. I just <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm totally over not getting Jurassic Clark. Like, that wasn't specifically like the most yeah. me thing I've ever seen. Right. And that I didn't get it. The, I'm not the center about it. <laughs> of the Britney Ray Venn diagram. Like, yeah. Is the hundred in a Jurassic Park joke? Yeah, but it's fine. I know. It's totally I, know. Fine. I know. We're fine. We're not angry at <laughs> it's all. Fine. We're over it. <laughs> it was for charity, so at the end, I'm like, it's it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was super like successful. I mean, like they had so much awesome stuff to bid on. I mean, it was it was a huge success, and I think the the like rugby rugby scrum atmosphere was definitely like a testament to how great the 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 stuff that you could bid on was and also like how much people really did want to, you know, contribute. And I think that it was like, it was a, in that sense, it was a really great way to kick off the kind of unity days convention. Um, especially with the theme of unity is like everyone just kind of coming. To, I mean, weirdly because we're all like sort of like, Oh, get out of my way. I got this thing. But like, you know, it was like a nice sort of like <laughs> unified, like we're all here because we love the same stuff. That's why we're like, you know, going head to head on who's going to get it. We're all here because we love the same show and we're all here to like, you know, like put that love towards a good cause. And I really do think it was just, you know, overall, it was just kind of like set a really good tone for the weekend, I think. Plus good bonding when you wound up being one of the losers. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and you had such an like, like, uh, announcing, announcing the last thing. Yeah. What is, I, I was going to say Mater D, but that's not Mater D. Who's the Major Domo? <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think you master ceremonies. Yeah, yeah, master. It was like master (laughs) ceremoniesing. You know, like calling out how much time people had left, and um, yeah, and yeah. So that was just like that was really great. Um, My other favorite moment was in the Louisa meet and greet uh, when I asked her a sort of spoilery question that she couldn't quite answer um, about who she was excited to act with besides Richard. Um, and she said she was excited to get her character, um, to see her character interacting with all the ladies on the hundred. Yeah. So I'm like super that excited really about cool. that. That was really yeah. cool. That was exciting. Louisa was great. So we were in a, we were in a meet and greet with her and she was like, she was really cool. She's like so gorgeous. It's, I think you don't really appreciate it. Cause she has like, you know, the like tattoo on her face on the show, but just, I was just like staring at her the whole time. But, um, <laughs> But she told she also told this hilarious story about her prosthetic, um, 
you know, somebody asks like how it was to have it on. And she's like, yeah, you know, it's like it's a whole kind of like full glove sleeve kind of thing. And she just like leaves it on all day because it's a pain to take off. And she was telling us this hilarious story about one day last season. Um, you know, it, like and, and so Amori's hand has like has three fingers, right? There's sort of like two fingers and then a thumb. And they were having tacos for lunch. And she was like trying to figure out how she's going to eat them. And then she realized she could wedge the taco between the fingers of her prosthetic <laughs> hand. And it was like the perfect taco holder. She just like put it in there. It like stayed perfectly like secure. And then she could just like eat the taco with the prosthetic hand. And she was like, I'm pretty sure it was like covered in hot sauce by the end of lunch. But I just didn't tell anybody and they didn't notice. So we kept filming. She's a visionary. <laughs> and I was like, that's thinking out of the box. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Everyone in the cast seems, like, obsessed with the prosthetic hand. Because yeah. then Lindsay was talking about she was so how she would, like, walk up to Louisa and, like, rub the hand on her yeah, face. Yeah, yeah. That was super weird. And Louisa talked about that, too. She's like, it's like Lindsay comes up and she, like, rubs her face on it. <laughs> and like, to, like, grab it and touch it. <laughs> Lindsay was just, like... When when it came up at the panel, Lindsay was just, like, so excited. Yeah, I've never she heard anything cackle laughing. like that. <laughs> So new OTP, Lindsay and uh, Luisa's prosthetic hand, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were great. I um we so Aaron and I also did we did uh Suchin's meet and greet and we did Jared's meet and greet. Um and yeah, and they were just like they were super fun, they were really easy to talk to. We got we like they were everyone was very good about spoilers, like no one like leaked anything that they weren't supposed to, but we did get some interesting hints about um it really seems like Jackson's going to have more to do in season four. It seems like there really is going to be um, uh, some kind of conversation between or some kind of, um, I guess, moment, I guess, of reckoning between him and Abby about what happened after the City of Light. Um, Jared and Chelsea both seem to be indicating that they're going to have like bigger, juicier things to do in season four. Um, Jared couldn't really he didn't talk much at all about. Um, Miller or about Brian and Miller like it, it feels like there's big things happening that are pretty spoilery because he couldn't he gave almost no information yeah, I felt like that's true. Yeah, um, uh, but uh, but yeah but there was some but but everything I feel like everything that came out of all those conversations just made me like even more excited for season four. Oh, me too like I was so leaving that weekend I was like it was like my love for the show was renewed and my excitement for season four was renewed. Like the whole cast just seems so genuinely really, really excited about this season. Like they all really seem to like it. There's so many of them who said like, this reminds me of season one, you know, like it really kind of takes us back to that place, which like for me, you know, it's like, I, I, I that made me happy. Um, so that was really exciting. And like Suchin, I think Suchin's meet and greet was great because he's, he is so passionate about Jackson. Like he is and and so yeah. passionate about the show and he's like put so much thought into it. Like we had a really nice conversation about how <clears throat> about how um you know Jackson Jackson t- really took the Hippocratic oath to heart. Like, you know, his in his mind is his backstory is that his dad was a doctor and so he became a doctor and this is like the thing that he's kind of been trained to do since he was a child and he's and he's, you know, he's sort of idolizes Abby and he's been following her around and 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 so his his whole like psyche is sort of wrapped up in this idea of himself as he's a doctor and he's here to you know to do no harm and to help people um and so we talked a lot about you know about like that as a motivation for his character and how 
taking the chip and everything that happened with the City of Light, you know, maybe starts to challenge that a little bit. You know, like he, he it maybe complicates what he thinks is just automatically the right thing. And so it was just really super. It was like so fun to talk to him about the show. Like in some ways, talking to Sachin about the show is almost like talking to another fan. Um, you know, but like, but like one with way more information. <laughs> yeah. Cause he just like, well, yeah, really he cares so much. much. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was, he was one of the only ones that said like somebody, I don't know if it was Joe or if it was an audience question, but somebody asked like, when you get new scripts, do you sort of like flip through and, you know, and read your own stuff or read it cover to cover? And basically everyone said some variation of like, first I go look for my stuff and then they go back and read the whole thing. And such was like, no, like he just like reads the whole thing. Like he wants to know what's happening in everyone's storyline. He wants to like read the whole thing as it plays out like he was the only one who didn't basically sort of cop to like I flip through and see how many lines I have and then they go back and read the whole story right yeah yeah um yeah I think he's just he's a big super fan of the show which was which was great yeah it was really cool so now we want to take some time to take a couple of the questions that we got submitted to us um, online from fans. Some of them were people who were at the con and some of them were people who just follow us online, um, but who sent in questions for the meta panel that we couldn't get to because we had way too many that we had time for. So I saved a couple that I thought would be good for us to kind of toss out to the group and discuss a little bit um, on the podcast. We get it. So if we didn't get to your question at the panel, um, we may get to it today. So, um, so the first one, this is sort of two, two questions from two different people that I wanted us to kind of talk about together. Cause I think they have some, um, some sort of interesting commonalities. So one is from Susie, who is at, I trust Belark on Twitter. And she asked, what are some of your theories about where the relationship between sky crew and grounder stands now that the city of light is destroyed and the abs- in the absence of a grounder commander? Um, and then Maris um, asked in season two, we learned that the 12 clans coalition is fairly recent as Lexa is credited for it. But in season three, we learned that the commander figure is 97 years old and there's a whole tradition associated with it. Flamekeeper, Nightblood Scouts, Conclave, etc. So I wonder how prior to the coalition, the clans could be loyal to the commander, but still be at war with each other. Maybe the prior commanders were simply content to be a religious figure and not a political leader. And that changed with Lexa. We know there's going to be a new character in season four who seems to be a super religious Nightblood scout. My meta is that perhaps she thinks the commander should have remained solely a religious figure and that getting involved in politics was a mistake. It might bring interesting conflict within the grounders as to the way they are structured and who holds power. What do you think? So let's talk about grounder political like power vacuum what's going on in polis what do you guys think well i don't think that the commander was ever solely a religious figure because when becca comes down she's the first commander and i don't i mean it becomes a religion over time but i don't really think at first that she was like deify me yeah yeah that seems unlikely yeah. that's a good point i don't think <laughs> yeah. she's been comfortable with being a god yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it but it is but it is an interesting question that i think this show doesn't really explain how like if the if the clans have always been loyal to the commander then what's the thing that lexa did that was so revolutionary that made her the first commander to unite the clans you know yeah it sort of feels like she was like the commander before that was like the pope you know so she's like kind of in, a, in one sense in charge of all of the you know the like countries that are catholic or whatever the the grounder version of that is but not actually the political leader of them although she had political influence you know i mean i'm thinking like the pope in like medieval europe right 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 yeah um and then maybe what happened is that she like she sort of forced them to be more fully under 
her command politically so that she had some sort of control over what individual leaders of clans, you know, like what they could and could not do, which would explain why Naya hates her so much. You know, I mean, like Naya obviously wants to be the commander, but like if if Naya, because Naya is older, so if Naya has been queen since, you know, since long before Alexa was commander and she was queen for a long time where she was like, you know, like absolute, like fully sovereign over Asgada and answerable to the commander only <clears throat> on and sort of like, you know, on and, and like an informal basis and maybe the commander had like a, a, a stronger diplomatic role or something like that. You know, like commander was powerful, but not actually directly in command. Then you could see how she would resent the unification of the clans if that meant that her power over her people was reduced or was challenged. So, I mean, that would make sense. But like, that's just, I mean, I'm just headcanoning. You know, I don't think that we right. actually have an answer. <laughs> I don't 100% know if the writers have I, I like that's not a drag. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. It's just like it kind of seems like because of the way the grounder mythology kept changing from season to season, they kept trying to evolve it and little plot holes appeared where we're told that Lex is a visionary and like I believe that she united the clans and that there was probably a piece that came with it, but we don't 100% know like why it didn't happen before that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's also the question of when the clans like broke into different factions because I imagine when Becca first got there, I mean, it was just like a few hundred people right at the base of Polis. So like how how did the clans like come about? I mean, right. it's possible because um, it could go time. two ways. And either learn, like, the same language. And, and learn to follow um, the commander in general, like, through the decades. It, yeah, and yeah, because it could go two ways. I mean, it could either be that, like, there was a group of people and they splintered, or it could be that, like, that there were other groups of people right. who, like, for one way or another, learned of the commander and came under the commander's power or, like, were converted to that or whatever. Like, maybe, maybe, like, or, or possibly it could just be that there were splintered groups, but then Becca, you know, Becca comes down and she has whatever she... Whatever she has, it's actually not really clear what, like, practic- on a practical level she offers the people on the ground. Like, she just sort of arrives and that's it. We don't really get an explanation for what she did after she was on the ground. But it's possible that, like, whatever she – knowledge or technology or both that she had that made it possible for people to survive, that knowledge traveled outwards to other groups of people and they became affiliated with the commander that way, too. And I also – Yeah. I mean, I like to think she invented Trig. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, I also yeah. wonder when they started calling, when they started calling it Polis, because like if they're st- starting to call it Polis, like while Becca's still there, she's just like, well, I guess I just won't tell them that that's not the actual word. It's <laughs> <laughs> not that like, word. Whatever, I guess. <laughs> and I also wonder. I mean, that about still sort of begs the question of like why, if she did invent Trigadelsling, why did she invent it? It's not really clear. Like. If everybody speaks it, then who is that supposed to? Why don't they just speak English? Like, I'm still not really clear on why Trig exists. Isn't it? Didn't we think it was in part to communicate with her technology? Oh, maybe. Well, they said in season one that it, or season two that it was the language, I want to say the language of the warriors. No, no, the English, English, English is the language of the warriors. Oh, I'm sorry. Trig is the language of regular people because the idea, I, 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 that, that's what I thought. Yeah. No, that sounds right. Yeah. But then again, so like, so like English is the lingua franca is supposedly it was the idea then. Like there were localized, right. like this is what I understood. There were localized languages and then, and then there was English, which is what warriors spoke because they spoke to other people. But now that, I don't know if that's true anymore as of season three, it seems like everybody just speaks the same Trigadeth slang, which is like, then why do you have two languages? 
I, I'm just right. Yeah, there's no like regional dialect. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah, and then and then that that plays into I guess sort of one of my big questions about how this all unfolded, which is at what point in Grounder history, Ice Nation sort of splintered off and became completely its own thing and if they have their own they have a totally different go- like governing structure because they have kings and queens and princes instead of like a hedda um or or everyone else is more sort of like a chieftain or a clan leader and they have like king queen like they have different language for their ruling structure but they use the same trick so so i it's think it's because they're canadian and they <laughs> bought into the constitutional monarchy thing and they just went with it and yes yes and or i have a new theory about that based on the the PS4 trailer that came out today, which is that everyone, it was that, that Asgadah was founded by a splinter group of Lord of the Rings LARPers, uh, live action role <laughs> And so their whole like society is based on this like qu- fantasy quasi medieval idea of back to the earthness and they all pretend that they're elves. That sounds plausible. And that's why they're that ridiculous crown that I can't take. I was about to say, can we talk about Roland's ridiculous crown? What is that crown? It's so weird. Oh my god, Roland, you deserve better. Antlers (laughs) woven together. It's like Diet Game of Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) Oh lord. I say it with love. I like, love we, you, Rowan. We love the costume, de- costume department like so much. But yes. like, yeah, it's just it's like not a drag. Ro- Rowan just... is a big, strong man who deserves a manlier crown than that. <laughs> like, well, no to best. be to be fair, I don't actually know. I mean, like crowns are kind of like inherently ridiculous, especially in a world where no one has yeah. until this point, no one has worn a crown. So, like, part right. of the problem is just like. You're like coasting along in a world where crowns aren't a thing, and then it's like it's like if you're walking down the street today and someone was wearing a crown, you'd be like, the fuck is that guy doing? So it's kind of that same sort of <laughs> you're not established in a world where crowns are a thing that people wear. So I think part of it is just like any crown he was wearing is always going to look ridiculous because it just looks like, what the fuck are you doing, Roan? Why are you like why are you like cosplaying as an elf? I, I just imagine Zach Fair McGowan enough. putting that on being like, nice. like like looking at yourself in the mirror and being like killing it zach (laughs) like if i were him i'd be walking around with that in public and be like yeah this is my crown y'all like doing like finger guns at everybody (laughs) yeah just like walking down robson like what's up what's up ladies oh zach mcgowan's Um, life model is like live to slay another day oh my god yes T-shirts for that community days next year. Roan t-shirts live to slay another day. (laughs) Yes. And like Roan in his crown like cocked at a rakish angle. Yes. Someone get on this. Amazing. Um, Um, Okay, okay, but. Anyway, back to the serious thing. So, yes, I could make fun of the crown all day, but I do feel like the, the first part of this question, um, which is about season four, I do want us to sort of talk about where do we think um in in so post city of light destruction um post like death of lexo so there's no and death of antare so there is no sitting commander and every night blood we know of is dead so there's this power vacuum in polis so what do we think what are our guesses about what's going to happen next oh Everyone's brains. No pressure. Well, I mean, I think no it, seems, it seems pretty good. Aaron, go first. <laughs> I will. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, it seems pretty clear from the promo material we've seen so far that 
Roan and Echo are going to be pretty promptly trying to step into that power vacuum. Like, it seems like like Echo especially is sort of already primed to say, like, okay, like, this is the moment when we can seize control, which is what they were trying to do at the beginning of season three. Um, so I think... So I think that's definitely going to happen. We're definitely, it seems like, that seems like, you know, pretty, pretty obvious from what we've seen. Um, And I can only imagine that that attempt to sort of seize power um, will probably, will, will sort of have cascading effects in terms of conflicts with other groups. So like, I mean, probably Sky Crew, because we know that there's tension between Sky Crew and Ice Nation already. Um, But then also just because, you know, like we know that they're like, Everybody's mad at Sky Crew because of Allie. And, um, and uh, you know, so I, so I think there's going to be tension between them. But then also, it seems like, so if, if Roan is attempting to seize control without the flame, like the flame is gone. We, ha- we have that new Nightblood Scout character, Ken- Kenzie? Kenza? Kenza. Kenza. Think, yeah. Um, so I think there's also going to be conflict that'll, that'll cause conflict with, those kind of like remaining adherents of the commander slash nightblood cult who I'm sure, you know, despite the fact that Lex is gone, like they don't know what happened with the flame. They don't know what it is. Um, it seems like if, if their sort of like whole worldview is based around a mysticism around that thing, it's going to be really hard for them. I would imagine to sort of accept that it's not, a, you know, that it, that it's a computer program that had to be shut down because it was like evil. So, I mean, that's another source of conflict to have another group of people who are kind of like resistant to, um, to Roan stepping in and trying to take power on under new terms. And then also sort of resistant to the old way of transferring power being removed, you know, like their whole kind of like everything that they believe about the world is being uh, dismantled. So, um, that's all I got. (laughs) Yeah, that, it was great. All right. Um, okay, so this question is um, from Emily, uh, and she had actually two questions. One was our thoughts on Jasper's character arc and how we think it'll carry into season four and what we would like to see from him. And then also, um, who would we like us to have a storyline with that he hasn't yet? Okay, so I actually have a couple thoughts on Jasper. Excellent. Um, just because... Just from what we've seen, he kind of looks like he's going to be having a breakdown in season four and sort of in terms of like characters that have PTSD that I I don't know if the 100% the show even really understands that characters do have PTSD, (laughs) but with Jasper, like I feel particularly represented by Jasper because I have like my own issues and I, I mean, I guess this is maybe a little bit selfish, but I would kind of love to see Jasper have like sort of the panic attack thing that comes with PTSD. Like I'd really love to see someone do that respectfully on television. Cause I haven't really seen it before. Yeah. And I feel like Jasper is the perfect character. And for you know, it. Devin would do so much like research and would take it so seriously. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, he would do, he did a phenomenal job last season. I think he would do a phenomenal job with that. If that happened this season. Yeah. So that's kind of what I wanted to see. <laughs> I think I, I love that idea. And I think um, I agree with you. I think that um, I mean, I, I guess I'm sort of torn because I, I was um, what I really liked about his storyline last season. I felt like it, it all it, I guess it felt like it, it deteriorated a little bit kind of at, in the in the 11th hour, like at the very end of it. Like it felt like they had, they were building this beautiful arc that was all about him. 
um, kind of like coming face to face with his pain, you know, like he tried all these things to try to escape it and hiding from it. And, um, and they really let him sort of sit in that and live with it and how ugly and, and fucked up and messy real grief is, um, which I loved. And then I, where I felt like the wheels kind of came off the wagon was because, and Aaron, I talked about this before on our podcast and you guys talked about it too, like, because we didn't see him take the chip. So we don't really see what the moment was that made him break. Um, that, that felt a little bit like it was building towards this kind of like redemption arc where it's like, he's, 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 his pain is still there. It's always going to be there. But because of the pain that he has, it gives him this way to kind of connect with Raven that makes him the exact right person in the right moment, like in the right place, at the right time to rescue her and like find his way back onto the squad again. And so I was like, yes, like this is going to be all about like Jasper like finding his power again um and then when we learned that the planned ending of the season was going to be Jasper committing suicide after taking the chip for reasons that weren't clear it felt a little bit like that got short changed like they were headed one direction and then they kind of took it this other sort of side direction so so in the absence of that of that arc happening in season three I'm I would really like to believe that it would happen in season four that we're going to get to see um some recognition that Jasper like feels like he's part of the group again, but it doesn't really feel like that's borne out by what we've seen. It really sounds like he's going to kind of continue like spiraling downward. So I, which is, which is depressing because I really want it better for that character, but I feel like I agree with you, Brittany. I feel like there's really great opportunities for them to like tell an honest version of that story because like everyone has PTSD in this show. Everyone has trauma. Um, and they sort of like hop back to that with certain characters when it's plot relevant, but like really letting Jasper's storyline, I think kind of linger on that, I think is really important because then he's sort of the avatar for how that's happening with everybody. Um, and I'd love him to have another storyline with Abby. I think, I don't know. I It's like, I'm hesitant to be really, optimistic about Jasper's arc next season because I think there's possibly like there's a bunch of reasons to think that maybe I mean there's Jasper won't be with but, us yeah exactly I was trying not to be. yeah there are some there's some stuff on Twitter that seems to indicate that Devin maybe isn't with the show anymore so like you know so I'm, I'm trying not to get to like <laughs> like it's gonna be okay but I I do think there's a part of me that thinks that 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 finds some hope in what we've seen in the trailers of him so far, even though it's pretty bleak. Because so, to go back to what you were saying, Claire, you know, there's that li- there's a little bit in the trailer, um, where the the bit where Raven says, um, you know, pain helps us f- feel alive, or pain helps us remember we're alive, something like that. Um, and it turns out, I think. Um, in the PS4 trailer thing that came out today, she's talking to Jasper when she says that. And he kind of gives her this little look like he, you know, he's a little bit dubious. But what that says to me is that that little, that thing from season three where he and Raven were connecting through sort of like coping with their pain and trying to trying to figure out how to work through it, even though their pain was so overwhelming, you know, it was like something that, that they couldn't ignore. They were just trying to kind of like cope with. That seems to signal to me that that, bit of the story is coming back, you know? So Jasper's story yeah. is going to be about him trying to cope with his pain again. Um, and I I do think, I mean, obviously it's going to be really rough for a while. So we see that, you know, he looks dubious. We see there's a little bit in the PS4 um, trailer that hadn't been in other stuff, which um, shows Jasper, he, you know, he's got like headphones in and he puts a gun underneath his chin. So trigger warning, 
uh, almost suicide attempt. Um, so it shows that he's still thinking about it, which, but that's like psychologically realistic, right? Like, I think that right, right. like it has to of be course, really yeah. dark and, and it wouldn't be honest. I mean, I, that makes me a little bit hopeful if they're showing that in the trailer, that's like the setup of the story, right? Like they're showing us the beginning of the story. And so right. I'm, I'm a hopeful that the fact that they're kind of setting that up for him now, um, and then the other kind of like, you know, maladaptive behavior of like after he knows that the world is ending, him saying like, screw it, you know, I'm going to live. I want to have fun. I'm hoping what that's meant to set up is that that's where he starts mm-hmm. and that we will get to see him sort of processing this and coming to terms with um, his pain in a way that he was able to avoid thanks to the chip, you know, it kind of got derailed last season. So I'm cautiously hopeful that we will actually see jasper like confronting these issues um and as for like somebody i'd like to see him confronting them with like somebody we haven't seen him before i think it would be really interesting to see him talk to abby because you know abby is the only other person besides clark and i don't this wouldn't happen with clark because clark's the wrong person for him but i think he's the only other person besides clark who lost somebody that he was really really in love with i mean like bellamy lost gina but that's not the same thing, like narratively, certainly, because like, what the fuck? But, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, but in terms of just like the what we're told as being a kind of like formative loss of somebody that they really, really loved that was just sort of like it was really traumatic. I think Abby would be a logical person for him to talk to you about that. And then it would also be we get to talk about Jake, which would make me happy. Yes. Also. Yay. Yes. <laughs> I have a quick anecdote about Jasper. So um, a couple days ago, I'd been talking to one of my classmates about The 100, and he'd been telling me that he was planning on watching it like forever ago. And so last night he sent me a message and said, I started, wa- I watched the first episode today. And I was like, that's exciting. And he was like, I, except I, I, I looked at the the episode description for the next episode and like, I just can't believe that jasper survived to the next episode and i wanted like <laughs> you guys know that gif of that old lady who's like honey you got a big storm coming you know which one that's like exactly what i wanted to see him but i think i like ended up being like haha yep he's pretty resilient <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers i guess <laughs> uh, oh bless his heart he's got a long ride yep. ahead Um, so this next question is for everybody, um, and it comes from our friend Charlie, who is Hedda Sky Crew on Twitter. Um, has podcasting and having an audience who listens to your reactions uh, changed the way you view the show? I would say y- yes. <laughs> um, I've actually thought about this, like, I've thought about this some because I feel like my relationship to the show... And to what like what I say about it and how I think about it did actually change when we started doing the podcast. Um, and it's a little bit funny, like it's almost hard to articulate exactly what what it was. But I think it's just like I definitely. I think overall, I tend to view it like less as in terms of like my ships and the characters that I love. 
and more just more just in terms of like the show as a whole. Like not that I don't still have my favorite characters and my favorite ships and not that I don't like, you know, fangirl over those because I do. But I feel like it kind of like shifted things a little bit so that those were like not my primary reaction. They were like my secondary reaction, um, which is kind of interesting because it's like not something that like I consciously did or that I really thought about. It's just something that I noticed happening. And I think it has to do with just kind of knowing that we have a big audience of people who care about all kinds of things, you know, like they care about all different aspects of the show and they care about them for different reasons, you know, and they see different things in it. And just that, the sort of knowledge of like, you know, just like the audience, you know, like when I think about like the audience that I'm, that I'm talking to, if I, even if I just post something, you know, on my blog or whatever, I'm thinking more about that audience and less about a kind of like my like carved out audience, my like section of the fandom that right. already likes the stuff I like and, you know, kind of thinks the same way about the characters that I do and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of interesting. I think, I feel the same way. I think for me, so I, I mean, I have like, um, I have a, like a cabbie only Tumblr and and so like I've and I've been writing meta on that for a long time and so I feel like I spend a lot of time before we had the podcast um like thinking really deeply about Kane and Abby about their relationship with each other their relationship with other characters um and but for the podcast because like you said because we have you know we're looking at the show as a whole and we're talking to a really broad audience um I it was it was interesting and new for me to sort of like sort of put that same kind of thought process to things like the relationship between Jasper and Monty, you know, yeah. or, or the relationship between the Blakes and their mother, you know, and, um, and sort of really drilling down into all of those different things. And so I, I feel like I came out of it with, um, and, and, and still kind of, you know, evolving on this even more, um, like with with many more favorite characters than I sort of went into it with because I we've spent so much time kind of thinking and and like I feel like I know so many more of them really well where I sort of felt like at the beginning it's like I feel like I know Kane and Abby really well and I know the characters in their immediate orbit like Clark and Bellamy and Jake really well um but like you know like I'm always surprised when we record a podcast like how much I had to say about Jaha you know like how, yeah. how many how many things I have to think about Jaha as a person and his relationships you know or like with Pike or um or with Raven you know and um so I I really like that I feel like it sort of trained my brain to watch the show in a different way and it has made me more critical of um of really of, of narrative failures or places where like the writing skips over stuff or um or plot holes are sort of hand waving away from like don't pay attention to the fact that we're not going to explain this thing like it's, I think it's made me <laughs> This made me sort of see those things with a more critical eye where if you're just watching a TV show that you enjoy, you can kind of be like, all right, I can let some of that go. And yeah. I'm like, I need an answer. You know, so I think so that's the only, the one negative is I do feel like it's 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 made it harder for me to sort of like politely gloss over narrative plot holes the way I do when I'm just like I just watch the show because I enjoy it and it's on on Wednesday nights and whatever, you know. Yeah. Um. But overall, I think it's really made me appreciate even more the things that it does really well and made me just think like way more deeply about the characters than I was doing before. Me too. And actually, like one of my favorite things about it is because because we just sort of perforce we're like talking and thinking about characters that otherwise we might not, you know, like talk or think or write about or whatever. I, I feel like, like you said, like I feel like I have a, a deeper connection or like more empathy for characters that I originally just like kind of didn't bother to care about you know like even like finn 
like I'm still find Finn incredibly frustrating, you know, and it's like fun to bag on Finn. But like after the last time, after the last podcast we recorded, um, you know, we were talking a lot about Finn. I was like suddenly like, I I suddenly was like, man, I I get Finn now, you know, like I didn't get Finn before. I was really annoyed by all these like kind of weird writing choices and he's just not good enough for Clark and Raven and he isn't. But like, I just kind of finally for the first time I was like, I really, I think I get where this kid is in his head, you know, like, and I, and I don't, I don't like approve of his choices. I don't really like it. I'm not like, I don't like miss Finn. I'm not like, I don't want Finn to come back, but I do feel more like, I do feel more just sort of like empathy for him as a character. I understand him better. And so like, and that never would have happened if we hadn't been podcasting. So like that part is really cool. Yeah. Um, Brittany and Robin, what do you guys think? Yeah, I was thinking that, like, ever since I watched Lost, yep, take a shot. Robin mentioned Lost. (laughs) (laughs) Ever since. That took an hour and a half. Uh, So ever since I watched Lost, it's, like, been a thing where you have to analyze everything. And, but, like, before we were podcasting, it was, like, you analyze it and then you just kind of, like, think about it and stew about it. But now it's, like, now I have to figure out how I want to say this and how to how to like bring out your feelings in words mm-hmm. yeah and I remember I remember specifically season three when um the Murphy Ontari thing happened and as soon as it happened I thought I have to address this and how am I going to address mm-hmm. this yeah um, so yeah and we got yeah. some clap back oh, from you? that too yeah yeah, we had um it, like it, it's it's totally fair like when you get like viewer feedback, but we had some comments where like you know, you guys misinterpreted what happened between Murphy and Ontari. And Robin and I were just kind of sitting here going like we we have to think about this now. Like are we wrong? It it really makes you change yeah. the way you think about yeah, things. Like yeah, it changes definitely. your thoughts. You have process. to start thinking through like okay, why do I think this exactly? Like can I can I, I have to like walk back to like step one, you know, like you, you sort of have a thought and you're like, it's step four. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. I have to go back to step one and figure out what steps two and three are to get to four in order to explain four. And then like, what might someone else say, you know, so you do have to kind of like take right. apart, you have to understand what you think and why I think in a more like careful way, which is really useful, but yeah, like a lot harder. <laughs> and like, I think that's like why having a good podcast partner is probably the most important thing about podcasting is because before I started, I was just like, Claire, like, you know, you kind of exist in like your own little fandom bubble and then meeting Robin. And it's so great to have someone who has like totally different interests in the same show as you because you get you cover the whole spectrum. So before you know, season three, I didn't have as much investment in characters like Monty and Murphy. But of course, the minute Monty and Harper happened, like my first thought wasn't, oh, that's an interesting plot line. It was, oh Me my too. God. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, when that when that happens. So it's like, how are we going to talk about this? I had this? to stop watching the episode and I had to watch it two hours later. Aw, Robin. Because uh, I was really yeah. upset. Yeah. Aww. So... Like, in that, I think that's, like, one of the really cool things about podcasting is someone else gives you a totally different perspective, and it just kind of opens your worldview in terms of, like, the whole show, and you get to see and experience more things with that person. Yeah, definitely. 
so and then and then Sam has a totally different experience because Sam's Sam's writing it and like recapping all the episodes and you're sort of doing that process on your own but then you're sharing it publicly and everyone is reading it and and I and I think I'm really interested in kind of how you feel like how writing about this show for Telltale has shifted how you watch it and especially like you know you were like reviewing episodes like you know like the one after Lexa died like there's like a lot of pressure on like how to write about that in a you know, like, how, how do you want to write about those things when they happen? So, like, how how does that change how you watch it? That episode was actually the, well, it's not the first one that I reviewed, but it's the first one where I started officially reviewing the show for Telltale, um, the one after Alexa died. I, I think I reviewed, um, not Watch the Thrones, but the one before it. Oh, Ye Who Enter Here. Yeah, um, yeah. That was the first one I did. Um, so, it... It has changed the way I view it in more, I view it more analytically, but what I do every time is, um, I can't, (laughs) I am unable to like take myself out of like fangirl mode when I'm watching something for the very first time. So I, cause I feel like I'll ruin my, um, just personal pleasurable experience for it if I'm like trying to take notes the whole time. So Mm. I watch it, um, once as a fan first yeah and then um i watch it again uh to take notes and like analyze and like go back and like find things that i missed um and just pull like little bits and pieces so i do watch it um more analytically now than i did before um and then writing about it is more like a i write all my initial thoughts out um right after and i my process is sort of I feel like it's like slow compared to like other people Um, because I write out all my thoughts and then I go over it again the next day just to make sure um, that I've expressed everything that I want to say in a particular way Um, and I really like having this platform to because I've talked about television like for years just on like Twitter and um, social media and stuff but I like having this platform to talk about it in a professional way um, to like highlight certain parts and um, bits and pieces of how television influences the audience. And I think, well, for, for that, for, you know, for, for your role as a TV reviewer, and then also, um, you know, and Brittany wrote a piece on her personal blog and shared on social media that was great, like, in, in the aftermath of the Lexa death, that's like, you know, I think it, you know, you guys were were part of a really important public conversation that was happening at that time about like representation and so like I think it's important that like everyone who writes for the show or reviews for the show or was covering it like everybody was talking about that you know um and and I think that I think that's what's really cool about this process too is sort of like all there's so many podcasts for the show and so many people writing about it and everyone kind of has their own sort of perspective but when big things like that happen I think it's really um I think it's really important that that to sort of hear all the different perspectives, you know, on that kind of stuff. So and just sort of being part of this like really, really big nationwide conversation that was happening sort of suddenly all at once about representation that kind of just like boom, you know. Well, this question's from uh, Raven, who is at fueled by Raven on Twitter. Favorite quotes from the hundred. One of my favorites from season two that I think the show needs to remember going forward um, was something Lincoln said. Uh, I think it's in 208. Um, he says, if death has no cost, then life has no worth or something. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's meaning. Oh, yeah. Death has no cost, then life has no meaning or something like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's, that's great. That's a great that's a great quote. Yeah. And also definitely something that I feel like they kind of forgot in season three to some extent. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I think my favorite, um please don't laugh because I know this is really on brand, but it is a cane <laughs> it's a cane line. Um What? I, I know. I know. Whoa. I know. Everyone brace yourselves. I know this is shocking news. Um <laughs> But um, but my one of my favorite lines that it just made me like so emotional every time he said it was when they're in the prison cell when they think they're all gonna die and he's talking to Lincoln and Sinclair and all of the grounders and he says um, we don't break we don't show fear death can be an act of unity too the people will remember and just the way that he said like the people will remember where he just like he's so convinced he's gonna die and this is like his last thing that he can do is try to like help everybody else not be scared and i was like oh this is devastating and then he didn't <laughs> die and, and they kissed and it was all great but like man alive i'm so emotional about that line every time i think about it <laughs> also to elaborate on that one the line he and abby say back to each other in that episode about um needing someone to show them the way out of the yes. dark um is really yeah. inspiring mm. um because it kind of encourages you to be that person to show other people the yeah. way out of the dark yeah yeah and th- and that that's what he loves about her too, which I think is so beautiful. <laughs> the cabbie fan. <laughs> like, I'm still, I'm still oh, trying we're, to find we're, this, we're this so here because <laughs> I I love the the quotes that are like really hard hitting, like not even necessarily like really inspiring, but like really they just like get you. So like the the thing I'm looking for is it's in season one, and Bellamy and Octavia are arguing, and they're talking about how like it was one of their faults that their mom was floated and stuff. Do you remember what scene I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I know. So you're yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah. yeah. And I remember there's this really hard hitting quote and I'm trying to find it right now, but also I always love the Murphy quotes. Like, <laughs> yeah. Non-criminal way. Yeah. And like, can't you um, is that way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh can't you is that way is such a good line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> love that one. Um. Uh. So, uh, can you? What's the paraphrase of the quote, Robin? Because I think if Bellamy says it, I probably know it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I Speaking think, of on uh, brand, I think I'm about to find it. Okay. Yes. You know, I I think I know what scene you're talking about because it's when they're having the big fight. Um, like they're standing yeah, outside and they're the gate. Like, and stuff. Yeah. I'm trying to find it. Um. While you're looking, so I actually I I rewatched Day Trip today. Um. And actually, like the reason <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't like all set up to go right uh, when I should have I should have been like set up to go before we actually were supposed to start, but I wasn't because I I was like I had to write this meta about day trip and about this one line. Um, <laughs> it was just like so pressing. So um, so in that episode, that's the one with if you're not a Bullark shipper and haven't like you know memorized it. Um, that's the one with the the hallucinogenic nuts where um bellamy and clark go to the bunker and they find guns and so on and um and so part of that episode is uh clark hallucinating her dad and you know bellamy hallucinating jaha but there's this one the the part where clark is talking to the hallucination of jake is just like so lovely um it's like such a great piece of character work but there's this one part um that really stuck out to me this time where they're talking about abby 
And, you know, like, and Clark's sort of, like, reflecting on, like, you want me to forgive her, you know, because, like, I've done, you know, Clark's now done things she's not proud of. And she says, um, she says to Jake, uh, she, but she doesn't deserve it. And Jake says, and I just love this line, he says, um, forgiveness isn't about what people deserve. Um, which I think is, like, a really great, mm. like, I mm-hmm. think that's a really important thing to remember, you know, like, just in life, like, forgive, forgiving someone isn't about whether or not they deserve it, you know, like, forgiving is about, is about, like, finding peace and closure for yourself, you know, like, and, and for them, but it's not about, it's like, forgiveness isn't something you necessarily earn, it's something that you give, um, and I also think, and this is what I was, like, so furiously writing this meta about, um, I think it's actually like a really key theme for the show that often gets kind of buried under a lot of other things. But if you think about, if you think about especially Clark and Bellamy, but like like Clark, I think all the way through, if you even think about like Clark's relationship with Lexa in the beginning of 3A, that idea that like forgiveness is something, is something that's really hard. You know, it's like really hard because you have to let go of the hurt that you feel that someone's caused you, you know, like, Um, but that it's something that no one can deserve and it can only be given and it can really only be given through like understanding them and understanding yourself and then being able like through that understanding, being able to sort of release the pain, um, and then move forward both of you. And like, I just like, I think that's like a really huge thing in the show that doesn't get talked about a lot. And so I like that quote. I I found the quote that I was talking about. Oh, yay. Yay. And I actually, uh. In uh, acting class for film school, we're allowed to use scenes from pretty much whatever we want. And I actually did this scene uh, for acting class, and I played Octavia. Nice. So that's a- Ooh. Um, so this is from His Sister's Keeper. And it's when Bellamy says, they killed three of our people today, and you would have let me kill him when I... And if you would have let me ha- kill him when I had the chance, Finn wouldn't be in there dying right now. And Octavia says, stop blaming me for your mistakes. What happened to Finn is not my fault. I wanted to leave, so if Finn dies in there, that's on you. Everything that's gone wrong is because of you. You got me locked up on the Ark. You wanted to go to that stupid dance. You got mom killed. And Bellamy says, me? Mom was floating for ha- floated for having you. She's dead because you're alive. That was her choice. I didn't have a choice. My life ended the day you were born. Oh, man. Oh. That is like such a chilling line. <laughs> yeah, those are like... And I love things like that. Like, not even just the beautiful lines that they have, but, like, the things that just, like, get you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's so raw. It's so raw. And Mm -hmm. it's so real. I mean, like, if you have a sibling, everyone's had a fight like that with a sibling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Those gut punch lines. That that reminded me of um, when Abby comes in after, in, like, 303, no, 203, uh, and tells Kane that uh, Jaha beat him to redemption. Mm. oh yeah wow that's that a harsh. great yeah. line that is like below the belt otp yeah. attempted martyr i was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> my my favorite running podcast joke with aaron is a is her the way she talks about like kane and jaha's ongoing martyrdom arms race like, which of them <laughs> can martyr themselves first <laughs> it kind of is tailed off now like season one it yeah, was yeah, getting yeah. a little bit ridiculous like by the end right that thing where they like you know, like, which one of us is going to stay behind on the arc? I was like, oh, my God, you guys. Just, like, both of you die, okay? Just, like, go <laughs> hug it out and die together so you can both be happy. You're both heroes. Right. And then and then there's the who's going to stab who in yes. Lex's prison. Yes. Yeah. It's like, oh, man. No, you stab me. No, you stab me. <laughs> I want to be the martyr. No, I want to be the martyr. 
<laughs> well, and now I think I think Kane has pieced out because now he has things to live for. So I think he's gonna let Mart like Jaha be like, you know what, Jaha, you win by default. You can have this one. <laughs> you go ahead and die. Yeah. Can you go ahead? And then watch Jaha be like, yeah. oh fuck, you called my bluff. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. Okay. Gonna go find me a new cult. <laughs> yeah, and I'm back forever. <laughs> this question it comes from uh Shimrit, who is at VampFan10 on Twitter. Uh what can you tell us about the Kane and Abby relationship in season four and Kane's character development as a leader? It's gonna be lit. Yes. <laughs> I can tell you I'm excited. <laughs> Everyone's trying it's not like, to it's say like how how do we sound normal and chill while also being like so they're in a candlelit room and they're kissing. <laughs> like apart from from cabby like shipper goggles, I'm actually really interested in like when all of the dust settles, who ends up being chancellor and what the kind of power dynamic ends up being amongst um Kane, Abby, Clark, Bellamy. Um and in- I, I miss my assumption would be that Kane is the intuitive choice to remain commander. Because he's got the brand, he's been, he's a clan leader, but he wasn't actually elected. Um, and and I think that Clark kind of coming in and taking charge because now she's, because she's sort of the person with the plan. I'm really interested in how the two of them are going to work together as co-leaders and kind of who ends up in charge of what with Sky Crew. Does there end up being tension? It really seems like, just from the little bit that we've seen, that the four of them, or at least Kane and Abby and Clark, are very much on the same page like sort of functioning as a unit. Um, so that's something I'm really interested to see because we haven't really had much of that yet. We've had little moments in season two and season three where Clark was kind of tied into the Sky Crew like leadership, more sort of like pop in and like have some ideas and then take off again, um, but not like on the council or making decisions with them. So I'm interested in kind of how like Kane and Clark's leadership dynamic, getting to see Abby and Clark work together, um, that's something that I'm really, I'm really hyped to see kind of how that all pans out. Yeah. And it'll be nice to actually see like real respect. Cause I feel like in season two slash two and three, Abby basically got shafted from the leadership role. Um, and like the show tried, like tried to justify it, but I think we just lost a lot of that plot line in season three of her just being bad at leadership, which I don't personally buy, but no, it, after her sort of being a foil to Clark's power in season two, it'll be really nice to see them actually like respect and work with each other, especially in season four where the narrative puts Abby back in the hero role. Yeah. I'm really excited about, um, since Abby likely won't be chancellor, um, she's going to go back to being full-time doctor, um, which I think is going to be really important in season four because, you know, radiation is going to make everyone sick. Right. Um, Yeah. So, like, we saw glimpses of that in the original teaser trailer and the one that came out today. Um, so, there's, I'm just super excited to see her, like, back in that full science doctor mode, um, which I think she was a great chancellor. I mean, she kept him at peace for three months. Yeah. Um, but I'm really excited to see her where she thrives the most. Yeah. Like, I, I loved, um, I do really enjoy seeing, like, you know, like her and Kane and sort of like a leadership dynamic, but I also, um, I really like it when they're plot relevant in separate storylines with different characters as well. And so I was really excited about the little flash that we got in the, in the first trailer, the one that came out in December, about like, 
her and Jackson and um, Murphy and Amori and Miller um, and, and Raven, I think, on that boat. So it's like, I don't know where they're going or what they're doing, but there's like, you know, a science squad kind of like away team. Oh, this is a fun thing. I don't know if I told you guys that we heard when we talked to Sachin at his meet and greet where I said something about, um, you know, it's like, oh, we were really excited to like to see that Jackson like gets to go on an away mission with Abby and the squad. And I was like, you know, and I was like, I'm sure you can't tell us anything about like, you know, like what that is or what he's doing. But like a lot of people in the fandom were super excited to see like, you know, Jackson gets to like, you know, go on a mission. Um, And he was like, oh, we we thought like that was like supposed to be edited so we couldn't tell he was there. He's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know people knew. And I was like, bro, no, we slowed it down in HD and watched it frame by frame. We know you're on that boat. And he was yeah, like, I know you're on that boat. And he was like, <laughs> he, no, but he was like, so like, I think it didn't occur to him how um, intensely Dedicated? people, well, yeah, but like how, yeah. how intensely everyone is mining that little bit of information for clues about who is where and with whom and doing what and where in this season it might come. Um, and I think, and also maybe, I think maybe he doesn't necessarily maybe feel, feel like he's like, I think he's, he's humble enough maybe about his own role in the show to not necessarily feel like, oh, of course everyone wants to know where Jackson is. But I was like, no, we know where you are. <laughs> like, <laughs> we, 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 cracked the code. we slowed it down. Like they were, I guess, trying, they were trying to edit it really carefully so that like that little snippet of it, you could sort of get like getting as little as possible information about who actually was on that squad. So maybe it's spoilery, so, like, which, which made me hopeful that maybe it's like a big thing, you know. <laughs> and Claire's like, here's the list of people that are there. Well, it took me like 10 minutes to find Raven on that boat. Yeah, I didn't find yeah. Raven at first. And I only assumed Amori, but I it was like a magic eye puzzle. I was like, I believe you're here, but I can't really see you. But I'm trusting everyone else who says they can see you. Um, but uh, but yeah, so so I so the idea that like Abby is on some kind of a like science doctor squad away mission where she has like Amori and Raven, the people who know tech really well, and she has Jackson, the doctor, with her. It's like, I don't know what's going on there, but, like, whatever that storyline is, I'm into it. Yes. Yeah, it's like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm excited about it. (laughs) I'm excited about it. Robin, what do you think? Well, like we were talking about earlier about um, your views changing depending on who you discuss things with. Um, Before before Brittany, my partner was... Uh, a girl named Sky, and she was not a fan of Abby at all. She just really, really, really disliked Abby. And my, so I had to be the person who defended Abby there. And then once I had Brittany, it was like, now Brittany can defend Abby. (laughs) (laughs) Brittany Um, will do that with too many words. So like, (laughs) never too many. And also before I was just like, Cabby, okay, cool cool like thing i'm into that and now every time something cabby comes out i'm just like my friends are gonna be so happy (laughs) this is gonna be great (laughs) um so like that's like most of my feeling towards them is just like good things are happening and kane has had so much character development like even just from season one to season two and like he definitely deserves to be chancellor now um i mean in the very beginning of season three, Abby says, like, you're suited for this. Like, you, 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 you should be doing this. And I have to agree. And I think that it should. The end. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm 
like chill on the outside, but I am really super excited for their romance storyline to continue as Aww. well. You are not um, chill on just, the outside. <laughs> yeah, that's adorable. I was chill with my earlier answer. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. But sure, Jan. Sounds but like, but you okay. know, no one ever. <laughs> I hate you guys. <laughs> No one ever like gets to have a break on this show, and they all need a break. I know. And, like, they all I need a hug. Really... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I'm just really excited to see them get a break. Yeah. Well, and I also feel like I um, it what I find really cool, kind of like across the board, but I feel like the cabbie stuff we've been seeing so far is a great example of it. Like they talked a lot about really wanting to like I, where I feel hopeful that they learned from a lot of the kind of structural shortcomings in season three where they were just trying to do way too much and character development got really shortchanged. Um, it feels like they're really, um, they're really redirecting the story back to something that's more character driven than like big expansive plot movement driven, you know? Um, and, and so I feel like getting like, um, you know, getting the the cabbie stuff and the you know lots of Murphy and Amori. It looks like we're gonna get right off the bat a lot of Clark and Abby. Um, so I feel like the and the way they talk about this show too really seems like that's like an intentional choice. And the actors at Unity Days were all raving about. I think I think what they mean when they say that it feels like season one is that it feels like like yeah, there's big high stakes action stuff happening, but it's through the lens of like these characters mm-hmm. and their relationships, and and that I think like like letting the plot breathe a little bit and slow down a little bit, like not not in a way that diminishes the stakes, but in a way that lets us feel the stakes because we're actually experiencing what the characters are experiencing instead of just sort of being like we're gonna pull back and pull back and pull back and we're like watching a chessboard with all these pieces moving around and it's like bam 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 like plot point plot point plot point i think that letting like letting things simmer a little bit and letting us have moments where we hear the characters like having emotional conversations with each other about how they feel about this stuff like that's how that's how you keep the stakes high like that's how you how you feel what the characters are feeling so i'm i'm hopeful that um that kind of across the board they're doing that but really i think giving you know yeah giving giving kane and abby like a chance to like feel some feelings and like yeah just like and then get some snuggles (laughs) (laughs) that's so pure i love it um okay so last couple of questions before we lose Aaron that it's very important to have Aaron weigh in on um this question comes from Shosh who is Pony Regrets <laughs> on Tumblr oh my god um if Bellamy Blake was going to ride a My Little Pony into battle what would he ride you know I so like, like looked <laughs> I, I went on I actually asked Shosh she asked me to ask this question and I was like well you're gonna have to like give me a pony wiki wiki yeah because I don't know anything. So she has sent me a pony wiki. And I spent like... Oh my god, like, you did research? I did. Re- I spent like two hours on that pony wiki being like, oh my god, is, is the most Bellamy? Um, you spent two hours of your life on a My Little Pony wiki? Listen. Just to answer this you question. You don't understand I'm how fascinating dedication. My Little Pony... Like, I mean, it's sort of weird. Like, you can't look away. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Should we be concerned about you? Yeah, I'm all over. No, yeah. Listen, I'm. Do I need I'm to call your husband? <laughs> I'm not the one. Aaron who, has a new hobby. I'm not the one who was a competitive My Little Pony card game player for some period of my life. Let me just say that's true. Um, not to throw Shosh under the bus, but it's not like she. I mean, her 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 Tumblr is called Pony Regrets, so like 
That's why. Um, I don't think Shosh is embarrassed about this at oh, all. Oh, not, not in the slightest. In fact, I think she, like, asked me to ask these questions in part in an attempt to, like... Well, I don't actually know. I don't think she's trying to embarrass me. I think she knows that doesn't embarrass me. It's just, like, out of a sheer, <laughs> sheer, like, joy and Shoshness. So this is all a really long-winded way of avoiding answering the question because the real answer to the question is, although I spent two hours on the Pony Wiki trying to figure out my answer to this question, I don't actually remember what my answer to this question was. <laughs> so I'm just going to say, I'm going just going to say Twilight Sparkle. My, my official answer, I think, is Rainbow Dash, okay. but I would rather it be Rarity. And oh. I think that it would be better if it was Rarity. Why okay. do you think it would be better oh, if it was Rarity? Can I need you explain why? Now. Oh, because Rarity is just like... She's um she's really proud and I feel like they could both like ride out into the sunset with like flowing hair. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Just being like we are the best. Nothing beats this right now. This makes me so happy. That was such a good answer. Someday. I think I think Thank Shosh you. is going to be really delighted that she got a genuine answer to this question. I know. She's going to be really disappointed in me. She's going to be like what the hell Erin? you totally let me know. Yeah. I was going to drag her. What kind of answer is that? Yeah, I was going to just completely give her shit and then move on. Amazing. Um, Okay, so so last question for Aaron. This question comes from Amy. Will Finn Collins' name be uttered in season four? If so, how happy will that make you? This question can be answered in musical fashion or an interpretive dance. I think that people want to hear the song, Aaron. (laughs) I, I think that the odds of Finn's name being mentioned in season four are... Probably 50-50, you know, like, Clark is going to be processing a lot of things so that there's there's a chance that uh, he might, his name might come up in connection with, like, here's all the shit I've been doing. Um, the likelihood that I will sing the Finn Collins song during our season four podcast at some point, I would put at 100% because <laughs> I love that song. It's my, like... My- Robin, do you know this song? I I don't think i do i i would really like to to maybe hear it right now live maybe <laughs> when i say oh, song, no. it's really like it's one line um <laughs> okay well i'm excited yeah, but you know someday i'll write the whole thing so uh so the song the song is called how do you solve a problem like finn collins and it goes like this okay yes i've heard of it yes yes, yes. how do you solve a problem like finn collins <laughs> <laughs> and then it just evolves into us laughing forever exactly <laughs> <laughs> but so I would like to help write this. Yes. Okay. Robin, you and me, we're going to write the full length version of how do you solve a problem like Finn Collins. And it's going to be perfect because you think Finn Collins is a problem. Mm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Are you saying you don't? I hope they talk about Finn. I really, really love when they like bring back old characters that have died because then I just like. I just okay. Do I need? I'm Robin not going to talk about that question so artfully. I'm not going to talk about Mbege, you guys. Ah, Mbege. But slowly. He was. But let oh me my just god. Talk about Mbege. I got really emotional when I was watching Day Trip today at the beautiful, most beautiful broom in a closet full of brooms. Yeah. Oh yes, that's like, a favorite quote that's too. Mbege. Poor Mbege. Oh Mbege. Such a beautiful broom. No wait, that's Connor. Oh, is that Connor? Mbege's dead already. No, he's not. Is he? <laughs> what? He when was, he was the first die? person di- killed by a grounder. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. 
My bad. I got you. I got <laughs> I you back. All right. I don't remember any of those kids' names. You know what? Either. You know what that means? That I've means, got you guys. That means that I have always, I have always thought that guy was in Begay. So. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> He's not. I'm sorry. I fail. I'm like immediately um, gonna go and like send you pictures of both Connor and Begay and show you. You the difference. definitely should because I, I think you know, I think what it was is that. I knew that Murphy had a friend called Mbege, and then that guy is like one of the guys he gets Connor. He gets revenge on later. So I was like, I remember yeah. his friend was named Mbege. It must be that guy. And I just <laughs> the Johns, <laughs> the Johns. The jo- John yeah. Murphy's like we they, were friends, but now I pee them. on you and then kill you. Yes. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. That was my I got bad. you. All right. Sorry. Um. But yes, we'll write this song and yes. then next year we'll perform it live at Unity Days. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. Amazing. I, I can do that. I know you can. <laughs> this question comes from B, uh, who is at oh. uh, Effie's Trinkets on Twitter. Um, which Hogwarts house do you think Marcus Kane is in? Okay, I just want to say that all of you can suck it because Henry and Cusick agrees with me and all the Team Hufflepuff people because he liked it on Twitter and I win. Excuse you. I think that that pretty much settles the case. I mean, I, Ian is the foremost authority on Mark's game. I, well, okay. I I don't dispute that he liked your tweet. I don't. It wasn't my tweet for the record. Henry, I don't want to take credit. Henry Ian Cusick has not heard my case for why Marcus Kane is a Ravenclaw. So, like, right. I don't feel like he made this decision fully informed. You don't okay, know. Okay, but to be fair, it's not very really informed about his own character. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, <laughs> words that m- might make it seem like this is more of a fight than it is. <laughs> okay, here, it's let's, because let's... it's a fight between the three of us slash the whole cabbie fandom. You make the Hufflepuff case, I will make the Ravenclaw case, and then we will just, like, let it go. <laughs> but, we can, but we can... Okay, y'all, y'all do that. And I, got, okay. I got something else. Okay, firstly, for Hufflepuff... And this is one of the things that I picked up from Lane Morgan, um, who was a writer's pay on the hundred and she's on Twitter and she's great. Um, she talked about how sorting for houses is more about what the person values versus what they actually embody. And so one of the things that Hufflepuffs value the most is like loyalty, honesty, things like that, which I think, and like, I know Claire has an argument like for something else. And to be fair, I think her argument is very good and I could be convinced of it is that those are two things that Kane has come to embody as the show goes on. Maybe not so much, you know, in the first season, but, you know, you can see his loyalty towards Jaha and towards the idea of government within the arc. I think those are very Hufflepuff qualities that have transferred over to loyalty towards the Griffin women and the idea of peace. And that's all I have to say on the matter. <laughs> also, know that Brittany is a Hufflepuff herself. So that Yeah, I'm biased. Well, but, I, but I'm, biased, I'm a Ravenclaw, so, so like we really yeah. are like like we're evenly biased here. Like like part of it is I think we both just want Kane on our home teams. But so my my counter argument, and I also will say like I I think we can both agree that Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff are the two compelling arguments, and that like those are like he's one of those two things. So like we are Absolutely. like we're united, I think, in that. But um, so my argument for Ravenclaw hinges on a a um my sort of theory about this is that the 
behaviors that we see Kane exhibit through most of the show are adaptive learned behaviors and the tiny little bits and pieces that we get of um sort of his kind of 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 a a version of Kane who wouldn't have had to have learned those behaviors feels very Ravenclaw. So the best example of this to me is when he and Abby are in the marketplace in Polis. Um and um and we're watching through Abby's eyes that she's seeing this version of Kane that she's never seen before who is full of sort of nerdy wonder and awe about um the complexities of the world that he lives in and he wants to learn all of these things about it and you know he wants to touch everything and see everything and talk to everybody and and he's the first one he's the first of the sky people who besides Octavia who learns any Trigetta slang um and um and when he talks to he's talking to Abby and he says like when I dreamed of the ground it was empty like he thought about this all the time you know and and so my Ravenclaw sort of theory is like in a world where Kane did not have to adapt to learn any kind of survival behaviors with like Slytherin and Gryffindor traits which I think are things we sort of see in him in seasons one and two that are like adaptive like everyone had to be a little Slytherin to survive on the arc and everyone had to be a little Gryffindor when they were at war on the ground um but I also feel like um I think his his sort of Hufflepuff like protectiveness and loyalty and you know and and that sort of side of him I feel like in a world where he didn't have to do any of those things in a world where he wasn't like at war and and these traits weren't as necessary would he just be a person like would he just want to read books all day like would he would he want to be able to sort of like learn and absorb like because he's fascinated by this stuff and it's not a side of him that we see because there's no like no use for it in the world that he lives in so it doesn't come out very often but to me it feels like that little moment that we're seeing of him in the marketplace is like a piece of his true like deep core self that he's had to kind of push down because it isn't it didn't serve a utilitarian function on the arc see now i'm like like you could convince me of anything sam's sitting here like "Eh," and i'm like no yeah that sounds right (laughs) (laughs) sam is just contrary and sam likes to disagree with me well, Sam just wants to say that even though the battle for Marcus Kane's house will continue forever, we can all peacefully agree that Abby is in Slytherin with me and Robin. Abby is the most. Yeah, Slytherin. absolutely. Yeah. That is not even up for debate. 100%. <laughs> I like that we, we, can, we can end on a positive note of agreement. <laughs> it's yes. the theme of Unity Day. <laughs> Unity Day. <laughs> Okay, so uh, that is it for our uh, for our podcast, and um, we're going to tag on at the end. You'll get to hear our conversation that we had after the con with Kelsey Gentway and Caitlin Walsh uh, from Talk Nerdy with us, who also had a panel at the con. Um, and we will all be back doing all of our various recaps and podcasts and things after the show starts back again on February 1st. So Aaron and I will be recapping. Uh, we'll be doing our meditation podcast weekly. We're going to aim to get those up every week on Sunday. Uh, Robin and Brittany, where can we find you? Sure. So you can find um, me individually at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's at R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y. And you can follow our joint podcast party at The Aficionados, which is at T-H-E-A-F-I-C-T-I-O-N-A-D-O-S. <laughs> and we'll also be podcasting the new season or the first season of Riverdale and we're going to be going back and doing all of Lost. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> Wait, Brittany, say yours. 
We'll tag everybody so you can find this on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Um, and then Brittany, what about you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Britannia with an underscore at the end and then at the Aficionados, which I'm not going to spell. <laughs> I did that in my head. It was hard. Thanks, buddy. Uh, Sam, where can we find you? Um, I'll be on Twitter individually at Sam Casey's, uh, S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-S. Uh, and then you can find my reviews at TelltaleTV.com or on Twitter at TelltaleTV underscore. And you are also going to be reviewing this season of the show, correct? Yes, I will be reviewing this season of the show and they should be up every Thursday. Uh, and then Metastation, um, I should have mentioned this at the beginning and I completely forgot, um, but Metastation now has a new official Metastation Twitter, which is at Metastation100. And uh, so you can you can follow me individually and Aaron individually, or you can follow us on Metastation or both or all three. That's great. Uh, so, yeah. So thanks for listening. Um, we'll see you all after February 1st when this show starts back up again. And then in the meantime, you can listen to our very giggly conversation with our con friends. That was like 12 people sitting around a hotel room cackling. It's great. <laughs> um, and uh, thank you for listening. And we'll see you all soon. Bye. 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 So uh, why don't you guys introduce yourselves and talk a little bit about Talk Nerdy and who you guys are and what you do. Okay, uh, I'm Caitlin Walsh. Uh, I write for Talk Nerdy with us and I have been for like a year now. And I started, I think, just because I love the hundreds so much. And uh, and now I write about a few other shows, but like my heart's always going to lie with the hundreds. And I'm Kelsey Junwaite, and I also uh, write for Talk Nerdy with us. And I've been doing this for five months. Um, I binge-watched the hundred and got into fandoms on Twitter and started writing about it. And now I write about TV. And it rocks. <laughs> <laughs> How was your weekend? Um, this has been a dream. Life changing. And I I honestly in that last panel like started tearing up when everyone was like, Okay, so like we're wrapping things up and I was like I was like, Why is it and I know I'm gonna sob on the airplane home because this was a, like hands down the best thing that has ever happened to me. Ever. Oh, no, I'm gonna get sad. <laughs> Kelsey um, actually legit was getting choked up right there. I was, I was like, <laughs> there were no little tears happening. Uh, no, I this weekend was honestly life changing. I I met so many people that I've interacted with on Twitter, and meeting them was was honestly wild. Like I we we have a group chat, and because a lot of us go to a lot of cons, we're going to Clexicon. Um, there's about 20 of us in the group chat and I met I think three of them this weekend and it was like we've known each other for years and I've only been talking to them for like three months like we met we met on Twitter mm-hmm. and now Kelsey's one of my best friends yeah now, now we hang out because we, we're both from New England area and yeah it's just wild I I like I don't even know what to say like I can't I cannot fathom going home this is I know. I don't want to leave. I, I don't want to leave Vancouver, but I don't want to leave this weekend. Yeah. And, yeah. and I yeah. felt like I was, I, I've i said this a lot over the weekend, like, as much as I loved all the con stuff, I mean, meeting the cast, I, like, that's, that is a dream. This was amazing, but probably some of my best memories from the weekend are, like, the people I met, yeah. like, the friends I hung out with and what we did at night, and I just, I don't know, like, this was crazy. Like, I have chills talking. About it. I know. Like, this is...
is a lot. The cast was amazing. The cast is, in, I I had no idea. They just, they feed off of each other and they give you such energy when you watch them. You just, you fall in love with the show even more because you know they're just having such a blast doing what they do. They seem like the best friends. I know. I want to be their best friends. <laughs> it's always really nice, like, when you, when you like a show, you always sort of, you want to believe that they really like each other in real life. Yeah. And and sometimes you know that you're kind of fooling yourself because you're just like, because in real life, you know, you're like, all right, that person's kind of an asshole. But I want to pretend like in my head that they're all really real friends. And I feel like these guys actually really genuinely are. Yeah. They yeah. They, they just, all of them. They're hysterical together. Yeah. 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 They're so funny. Like the panels, I have to say, you know, like it's kind of funny. Live tweeting is like, it's a blessing and a curse in a lot of ways. And like, I think it's really great that like, it gives like people who can't come a kind of sense of like what's happening, what's being said. You can sort of follow along a little bit, but like among the many things that get lost in translation out of the when you're live tweeting panels, I think is just like how just like sheerly fun they are. Like these are not like serious mm-hmm. conversations, you know. For, I mean, like they have serious moments, but for the most part, it's just like so light and like bantery and fun, and they're like playing off each other and they're playing off the audience, and we're all like like in jokes build up throughout panels and like so there's just this kind of like energy to the panels that like I think it's just like so much a part of the great experience that it really like conveys how much they love this show and they love each other and they love like playing around with these stories and so yeah so like I think this is my first time I was at a con and this was, that was like Thank the thing that was the thing that like I, I guess I maybe probably knew intellectually but I never like experienced it before and like experiencing is like transformed how I think like I would like go to a panel then and look at Twitter and I'd be like whoa like what not that I like, there's such a difference between like being at home and, and reading interviews with them and uh watching videos from other cons mm-hmm. there's something so special about like being in that room there's mm-hmm. like such a like humanity and personality that you just like you can't get from being just an observer yeah. at home mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. there there is something so special about being in that room and you're like you are so real yeah like yeah. you yeah. are you're real I, and, I feel like i should say at this point we have not been paid by unity events Canada. <laughs> <laughs> this. this is all very genuine but if they want to pay us yeah. <laughs> but if you want to pay us for next year we will happily come back but this is all like genuine yeah. <laughs> no i mean i and i feel like part of that too is just like how much time we got with him like we probably saw Sachin on like what like four panels over the whole course because like I you know and we did his meet and greet so like I I feel like I know him now because it's like over the course of two days it's a very concentrated amount of time to spend with one person so all of the whatever you know awkwardness or nervousness or whatever you sort of come in with at the beginning being like oh my god I'm meeting these actors from the show that I love so much and like is it gonna be weird am I gonna like embarrass myself is it gonna be awkward am I gonna be intimidated and then by the end of the weekend you're just like oh hey what's up Sasha yeah. like in the elevator you're just like oh hey buddy you know well, that's no, what yeah. we ran into we ran yeah. into we ran into um we ran into Chelsea and Jessica like a few times down in the lobby uh-huh. and then we like we've taken a few pictures with both of them we've been to their panels so at this point, I'm like, hey, Chelsea, yeah. hey, Chelsea, yeah. hey, yeah. hey, yeah. hey, hey girl, hey, yeah. later. <laughs> but shots, they, like, and I don't, that says a lot to this cast. Like, I feel like each and every one of them makes you feel, like, special to them. Yeah. Like, yes. you, yeah. They, the way they treat their fans is unreal. They are yeah. so kind. They really are. And genuine. Yeah. I'm also really impressed with how many people they can remember. 
and then people quote things they saw on Twitter right. in their own words, and then they translate things into different languages like and then back again. Like, yeah, and exactly. so I've seen like yeah. half a dozen tweets with people being like, I just heard Abby and Jaha, and everyone's like, what? Hell no. And I'm like, if this is all, <laughs> like a game of telephone with Brittany's the answer. <laughs> Honestly, like, I feel like I probably shouldn't even say this as a journalist, but whatever. <laughs> I, I, this has given me, like, you think you know, and then you get here, and we had that experience, and it's mm-hmm. just gonna make me mm-hmm. not yeah. believe anything I hear from a con unless there's a video. I like, agree. I, I, yeah. I can't. Like, uh-huh. like, we were all, all of us, you know, it was a meta panel, and then you guys had the talk nerdy panel, which was super fun. Claire and I kind of half crashed it because we cannot keep our fucking mouths shut. We like, that was awesome. Right. We needed it. You can do it anytime. <laughs> so, but like, but I, I don't know about you guys, I, I haven't, like, I haven't been keeping the, yours was today and I haven't been keeping total track of Twitter but like I remember looking at the live tweets of our panel afterwards like I'd never been live tweeted before and I was like what yeah. like, no, <laughs> I probably have the same thing to you but like, people are like I, like, I know yeah. <laughs> I mean like you know and, and I think the, the Abby Jaha thing was the biggest thing but even like more benign things is just like partial quotes of things that we said yeah, right. like that's not really at all or things that we said like like joking with uh, each yeah, other yeah, 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 joke, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, all like sassy yeah, oh, you know, God, the rover will have big character development in season four no that was, that was a one. joke I yeah. had somebody like a friend of mine send me a tweet with like question marks from somebody live tweeting our panel said, season four Rover will have great character development. And she was like, what? And I was like, Joe Garfine made a fucking joke. <laughs> she made a joke that was obviously a joke. And everyone went, ha 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 ha. And then oh we like moved God. on. But like, this is the problem with like, you know, when you're live tweeting, it's just like all declarative statements. Right. And so yeah. somebody was like, you know, like declarative statement, the Rover will have great, you know. Yeah. yeah. So like, that is the craziest yeah. version of it. But so I think we've all funny. definitely learned to be like, all right. Take yeah. everything with like an oh, entire yes. mountain range of salt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 They care about their fans. Oh, they care so much. Yeah. And they, okay, I was so touched about how they kept saying over and over, like, you know, this came up a few times, especially in the, in the final panel, where they're like, like, the thing that keeps us going, that keeps that gives us energy to keep doing this is, like, coming to these cons and, like, mm-hmm. meeting fans and connecting with them and, like, hearing all the stories mm-hmm. about, like, what our characters mean to them and, like, so, like, it was really nice, you know, to sort of hear that, like, that, like, this isn't work for them. Like, this is, like, a pleasure that's, like, really, like, energizing and affirming and yeah. stuff like that. So that was really, that was, like, that was really cool to hear, you know? Like, because you would hate to think they're just kind of, like, ugh, okay, make the money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Here I am because you paid me. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. So yeah. true. Like, it made me... I love I love the show I love it but yeah. honestly I can say I'm more in love with it now than yeah me too I was before. which is yeah. crazy I didn't think I could I know yeah, right well, yeah. my blood grew three sizes this day <laughs> and I'm like more invested in other characters because I met the actors and like yes them. Yeah. like yeah. I I was sort of like medium on I mean like I didn't I didn't have really super strong opinions on Echo either way except that I felt like she was a you know like. I, I enjoyed the twist of the whole, you know, her betraying. Like, that was, it was a well-written twist, and it was a well-written minor character, and I was interested to see more from her. But I didn't have really strong feelings about Echo. And, but, like, Tazi is, like, amazing. Like, 
Yeah, she's amazing, and and um and Jess too. I was sort of like, oh, Nellie comes back really cool. And now I'm like, I want all the Nellie because yes. they're just like lovely people, yeah. you know. So yeah. I feel like going back and rewatching it now, and then also watching Lindsay's Four Starts, I'm gonna watch those characters differently. Yeah, because Absolutely. I heard those actors talk about their process and like their relationship with each other, and so yeah, I think it's just it's a um. It's just a really illuminating experience just about, like, the craft. When Bob came out to shake our hands, like, uh, the know. <laughs> Can we talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, so let's, let's say, oh, yeah, for the record, every single person in this room is shaking hands with Bob Morley. Yeah. He I'm not around, them. And he some came. of us have been hugged by him, not me. But other people. But, but there, are, there, are, there are three hands up in this in this hotel room, and you will go out by Bob Morley. So I've always loved Bob, line. but that just made me just. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I even, like, I think I leaned over to you, and I was like, I might ship Bellark now. <laughs> <laughs> it will never hear that out of my mouth ever again, except right now. I was like, <laughs> uh, But Eliza kind of did the same thing to me uh-huh. when I went up for uh, an autograph with her. She was like, hi, uh, what's your name? And I was like, hi, I'm Caitlin. She goes, hi, I'm Eliza. I was like, <laughs> yes, I, I was like, no, kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. Eliza, you yeah. said, yeah. how do you spell that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and then also, and we all learned that it's Sachin instead of Sachin. So everyone so had, to, had to relearn yeah. that on the yeah. fly. Right. That was, that We're was all walking news. around going, Sachin. Sachin. Yeah. Don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. Don't screw it up when you meet him. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. He really is good with puns in real life, as he is on Twitter. Oh, the one on the fly when he was like, is he changed dark to bark? Yeah. <laughs> that was so good. Or when he, when they asked uh, Jared's dog Sosa, when Joe was like, what are your thoughts on season four? And Sachin just goes, it's rough. <laughs> I was dying. Oh my God. When I kept telling Aaron, and I feel like you just intensify with every passing hour, it's like, the fact that Sachin is not my best friend, and I'm never gonna like the fact that he doesn't live in a city where I can hang out with him all the time. I'm just like this is I'm I'm like devastated by the fact that like it's like we're we're probably never gonna be like real life hangout friends. But it's just like he's the kind of person you want to hang out with every day. He's just like you're such a goober. But weekends like this give you hope. You're yeah. like maybe, no. maybe, 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 yeah. maybe totally someday he's friends with Joe. A podcast is a way in. <laughs> hey Sachin, call us. <laughs> He said he'd do meditation. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't yeah. Wait. Yeah. I can't help it. Yeah. So, okay. So, here's who got from meditation. We got Sachin said he would do it. Um, and then uh, Louisa and oh. Jess and Katie Stewart. Oh, my God. And um, Tasia told Joe she would do it. We didn't actually get a chance to meet her, but Joe said she talked to her. And then she was going to talk to Chelsea, too. And then we got a maybe from Jared. Amazing. You guys killed That's it. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, we're working it. Yeah. So, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, hopefully rolling that to the probably in the next couple weeks. called Aficionados, which I am like high-key jealous of that name because I love, I love portmanteaus. Oh, Robin's mom, Robin's mom is here. She's in the corner. And I said that and she looked kind of her hands like, that was me. Um, Robin's mom is awesome. Uh, we were bonding because we both were like staying, stayed up too late last night reading fic. Uh, yes. I'm sorry, but Shosh posted 
to the second half of her persuasion AU, and I was like, I can't sleep until I read that. Denise, <laughs> so so what were you reading? <laughs> Same thing. No! <laughs> <laughs> were you guys oh like, gosh. don't spoil it? This is so beautiful. <laughs> Which I was just, I was like, this is really dumb, but then I was like, if there's any time, any convention I can go to where like staying up all night reading yeah. like, is like absolutely part of the experience. Yeah. Anyway, so that was an aside in the middle of a thing. Um, <laughs> I secretly did it too. Yeah, <laughs> I I totally bonded with the Clexa shipper in line at autographs too. I was like, I was like, we were joking about staying up too late reading fics. She's like, me too. I was like, Hell yeah! yeah. Was like, we are all the you same detail. Your ship is a detail. We all do the same yeah. shit. We yeah. um, not even not even to like I don't know make this about us, but <laughs> so but when well. Kelsey, we, but we will um, when Kelsey and I like first started talking and we were like I was like she's so cool and we were just talking more and more and I was like I knew she was a Clexa shipper and I was like when do I tell her I'm a Bellark shipper and then when like I she told was afraid of me <laughs> but we also found out that I'm a Red Sox fan and you're a Yankees fan so it's like we can get old oh, yeah. there's a lot of things and Julia, but you're not gonna die I'm like, hopefully. but no I feel like um in a way that was like my first I was like Dude, fandom on Twitter can be crazy, yeah, but yeah. I was like, wow. but yeah. in real life, some of my very best friends and like a lot of people we were hanging out because this weekend are Lexa shippers yeah. and yeah, like right, like people we, are well, just people and you like the you like things. Yeah, we're not all that, that bad. bad. Yeah, well, neither are we. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> I think one of the things I think is really important about events like this where you meet people face to face is that you remember that like behind every like Twitter and Tumblr avatar there's a real human being mm -hmm. yes. and I think online we think of people as being mm -hmm. homogenous faceless groups I am in this group and you are in this group and our groups are at war with each other or or, or they're just different it's we're so not West right story. we're not yeah, yeah. Like, and there's like lines and divisions and, and even if it's not fighting it's just like well we belong to different communities instead of right. being like we're one fandom yeah, and you know and I think for something like this where mm -hmm. it's like you're not identified by ship. You know, some people are wearing, you know, t-shirts or jewelry or whatever things with different characters, but like, you can't look at somebody and be like, oh, you're a Murphy me shipper. Oh, right. you're a doctor mechanic. Or you, know? you can't look at them and say, they ship Klexa, they must hate Bell Arc. Yeah, hate yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Right. I could get behind a Bell Arc arc. <laughs> yeah. if, um, if like they write it well and you know whatever right, that's yeah. fine yeah. and I think the majority I think the majority of this fandom I would imagine like I think most people you know just want the show to be good and they want good art to the characters that they like and I think that the people who who want to sow division and want there to be conflict and contention it's a noisy mm -hmm. minority but I think it is a minority you know yeah, and yeah, I think I'm it's really I, I Joe said something in the last panel about feeling like that this was a really healing weekend for this fandom. And I really felt like that too. I feel like we yeah. needed to be reminded yeah. that everyone just really loves this show. Yeah. You know, like everyone just wants good things for Monty and everyone just wants <laughs> Murphy to keep like wisecracking around, you know, and like, and everybody wants to hear such and make puns and, and, and watch <laughs> everyone's dogs play. You know, like, like there's no, yes. like, there was no, there was no like dumb petty bullshit. Every single question that got asked was a good question. Mm -hmm. Richard made that point, and I was like, "Yes." Yeah. Some of the questions that came out of people's mouths, I was like, "How? Yeah, How are yeah. you all so small?" Like, I wish oh, I was yeah. even all the questions you guys asked uh, so that you got asked on yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, "Damn, 
Like, yeah. like really good questions. Yeah. yeah. That's really unusual. Like, yeah. I've been to a lot of cons. I've been to Comic-Con. And, like, there's always one cringe question. Yeah. yeah. There, there was not a single yeah. one. There were no so cringe questions. Yeah. 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 Keep yeah. really yeah. bad. Yeah. Stuck by yeah. the no, yeah. Yeah. no fighting rule. Like, yeah. the no yeah. should be yeah. right. That's Unity not normal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this isn't a normal con. <laughs> and, I, and I think, you know, I... I I was getting a little nervous only because there was some, you know, you were, I was seeing things sort of swirling around online that made me sort of wonder, like, is there going to be, you know, are people going to show up just to search it or is somebody going to ask mm-hmm. a question, even if it isn't intentionally making the actor uncomfortable that makes the actress uncomfortable, you know, is because you have a room full of 300 people, no one's vetting the Q&A questions mm-hmm. in advance, you don't, you're not mm-hmm. writing down on a card, like everyone's just walking up there. So the, the odds were highly in favor of like mm-hmm. somebody crossing a line and no one did it. It was like everyone who was here in this building was here for the right reasons. And so I just, I guess I would say to anyone who sort of was following it, you know, like at home or on Twitter or whatever, like don't believe the word of anybody who wasn't here yeah. at this con if yeah. they tell you anything negative about it. Because yeah. I don't think anybody who was here would say any of that stuff. No, we're right. not. Yeah. And and Joe's point about it being a healing weekend was so on point because, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I imagine that a lot of people in this room alone, like, have had one experience or another, like, no matter how big or small that it was, that you just got some random crazy piece of hate for something mm-hmm. you said that may have just been taken totally out of context. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. like, I... It, it's only happened to me once and it was small and it, I mean it's it's fine but yeah. it's like I, I started like wondering I was like why like I, it was ti- it was a little tiring and yeah. then and then you come yeah. to something like this and you were like this is why I love this yeah like, this yeah. would makes anything worth it yes. and, and people like Joe who oh my god yeah. Joe Joe she's yeah. such a girl oh my yeah. god Joe Garfine is actually like every magical an angel, angel. Yeah. yeah like she is an angel so goddess. awesome she's every bit as positive as yes. like yeah as yes. what she puts out totally yeah. oh none of it is your show yeah. no but like who she is online is who she is when you like are having a conversation with her also she's like so charismatic yes. like, yeah she's yeah. amazing because like the cast like, that cast is like phenomenal and to have her as a moderator not being blown off the stage by them like she's up there you know like bantering mm-hmm. away like She's amazing. Like, she's so... Yeah. And can we also shout out to the fact that she did every single... I mean, yesterday oh, was, like, yeah. what, yeah. an yeah. eight-hour wow. day, and then yeah. today was almost just as long, and yeah. she was on stage for almost the entirety of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy cow. Did you yeah. see, she tweeted pictures of her schedule, and she had penciled in at the end of each day, like, in a time block for whiskey time. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, a girl. this is why I love her. I still, <laughs> I promised, like, I promised months ago when I interviewed her for Talk Nerdy, uh-huh. I was like, I'm going to buy you a drink at Unity Days. And, like, I've seen her every night, and we keep passing each yeah, other. It's like, uh-huh. And she's like, she's like, I will be back. And I was like, I will buy you a drink. Yeah. <laughs> so, I can't. I can't wait. She, that was, honestly, she was one of the people I was most excited to meet this yeah yeah uh-huh. she's mm-hmm. absolutely yeah such, she's such an unbelievable force and and I'm she was in awe. and she was so the right person to host these panels yeah yeah because yeah. the actors like nearly all of them know her she's yeah. interviewed almost everybody i think and um and so they knew they weren't going to get ambushed by uncomfortable questions they knew that she would let them talk about craft mm-hmm. and that it would she would keep it the right balance of thoughtful content and fun and lighthearted and silly and that she wasn't there to do all the talking, that she wanted to facilitate them having conversations with each other. Right. Like, so, I mean, so she's just a terrific moderator, but I think the fact that they 
knew her really well and there was no like they didn't they didn't have to like adjust or get comfortable on that setting yeah. it was just like we're hanging out on couches the friend joe yeah, yeah. You, know? you could tell they trusted her yeah, yeah. yeah which yeah. was uh, i think everything i think that made all the difference mm-hmm. in the yeah. world yeah. to how Absolutely. this weekend went Kelsey and Caitlin are going to leave us, but thank you guys for guesting on Meta Station. Thank you for thank having you. us. Yeah. Meeting you guys was seriously like, and I feel like second I second highlight. I know, like, <laughs> because I feel like I interact with you guys on Twitter so much, or like yeah. I, I yeah. just like kind of stalk you guys. <laughs> um, but this is so, this was the coolest, and bad. this is my first time on a podcast. Yeah, we might make a podcast. Yeah, we will enthusiastically support it. Yeah, yeah. thank you. And yeah, seriously, thank you for having us. This was yeah. thank this, you. This, this, was, this was awesome. This, this is great. Thank you guys. Thank you. Lovely. Thank you. You guys are amazing. We will. We may we meet again. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that was, yeah. All right. Uh, and see.